Welcome back, Looney listeners. This is Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and we are doing another issue or episode of our Isla Ra books once again. So uh, we have a special guest on this episode tonight, um, but he's uh, just about to turn up on, at Grant Mansion. So uh, please just sit back, relax, and get your conchu on. Welcome back, Looney listeners. Yes, we are back here at Grant Mansion, and we are going to go through a another special episode, another Isla Ra books, which um, kind of doubles as a a spotlight from um, for for Loonies of of our group of Into the Night, um, as well as a showcase of uh, Desert Island comics, I guess, which is. Um, a really cool way to find out potentially books that you don't know uh, and that might open the door for you um, for fandom later on but also to get to know as I mentioned um, more of our loonies and tonight we are very honored to have uh, one of our uh, I'd say long time loonies so far um, Josh Josh how are you I'm doing all right man how you doing yeah good good it's been uh it's been Cool to actually, yeah, get to um, get to chat with you. Uh, just briefly before we started recording here, uh, Josh is one of our um, uh, quite active loonies uh, on our Into the Night Facebook group. Uh, I know, I mean, you just have to look at um, at Josh's stuff, and let alone a lot of the stuff posted up. But to know that there are a lot of dedicated loonies out there, um, dedicated fans towards Moon Knight. Uh, very excited, Josh, to, to look into your Isla Ra books this evening. But um, first of all, look, for those loonies that, that don't know, uh, Josh, if I can ask, um, tell us a, a bit about yourself, starting off from uh, where where do you hail from? Uh, I'm from uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, which okay. is to, to about a, an hour northwest of Philadelphia. Um, people might know my city from, it's actually on the original Monopoly board game. Oh. One of the railroads is called the Reading Railroad. And that is, that's the, that was the railroad of, of my hometown. Oh, it's right. Been def- it's been defunct for like 30 years now, but yeah. that's like our, our biggest claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, actually, you, you've actually, um, flagged something for me there when you said Pennsylvania. Are you... By any chance, near like is that is Scranton near there? Um, Scranton's about an hour and a half north of me. Okay, but it's it's not too far away. Uh, have you been there as well? Or? Uh, I was there once, but just for a quick. I basically went along, tagged along with somebody to go pick somebody else up. But <laughs> okay. that's all. That, that's that's all I've been there. Oh, okay, I, I mean, I only say that because my partner and I are um, Eve. We're both re-watching one of our favorite shows, which is The Office. Uh, I'm not sure if you've watched it, Josh, or you're familiar. Uh, uh, I, I've, I've heard of it, and I've seen memes about it, but I've never watched it. Oh, you've never watched it? Oh, you, you no. do yourself a favor. <laughs> it's um, it's really one of those ones, I don't know, it went for about 10 seasons, and I, um, 
just uh, what's his name? Steve Carell. He's just he's just classic, yeah. classic in it. Same with uh, Rain Wilson. I think he plays Dwight. Uh, anyway, yes, yeah, Scranton. So any any time I hear Pennsylvania, I, hear, I think of I think of The Office. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but you also, Josh, um, you have a local comic book store near you as well. Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, I go to a place called Golden Eagle Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. Yeah, they're here in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, I, I, I was telling you before we start recording, they just opened up at a, a brand new place. So mm-hmm. they're they they have about the same amount of space, but they had stuff had to re- reorganize stuff, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, right when you walk in, there's just all these lines of uh, long boxes of oh. back issues, which I have picked pretty clean so far every time i go and i still i still find stuff like oh i didn't see this before and pick it up yeah, yeah. actually there that's actually where i actually picked up uh moon knight number one from, oh from 1980 yep yeah, 1980 yep i actually Ooh. just one day out of the blue it was there and i was like oh i gotta have that that's like my holy grail <laughs> oh, so, wow. yeah. fantastic and so many long boxes i don't know how you know it is in in the u.s um I've only got obviously one comic book store to go by, which is King's over here, um, three hundred and ten Pitt Street in Sydney. Uh, there's there aren't that many back issues to, to kind of like flick through in the long box. They only have like a short, I don't know. That would equate to maybe, oh, actually probably a bit more, maybe about ten to twelve long boxes. Um, does your comic book store have a, a wider range? Like, can you really like? Is it like a music store? Can you like spend? A long time just going through all, all the back issues um it's it's not too big i mean they, they have a maybe a couple dozen long boxes yeah um but it's it, 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 it's a decent size um okay. i was actually i was actually uh in pittsburgh my fiance's dad lives out there so we go out there every once or twice a year and there's a big comic book store in the mall out there um i'll guess i'll plug them to new mm. dimension comics okay and they have Oh my god, they have so many. They have like two different like rooms. One is all of, like your like your alphabetized books, you know, kept in by character and volume. Mm-hmm. And then they have another huge back room that may have like a hundred long boxes of just dollar books. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that that's that's great. I mean like it's yeah. to me that, that so that was more kinda like the comic book stores when I was younger. Like, um, when I was young, it was still Kings, don't get me wrong, like back in here in Sydney, but I remember when I was in high school going through Kings and they were located at another location uh, to where they are now. And there was a lot more back issues available. And, and so I guess I'm just wondering, uh, with this whole, you know, online, um, you know, basically the, the boom of online sales these days, whether that's kind of killed that off a little, you know, in the same way that, um, that, you know, like even music stores, you know, with CDs and stuff, we've got now iTunes and it's all digital. Um, right. Yeah, I'm just wondering. It's interesting to see, like, I mean, you've just mentioned that other one in Pittsburgh. It seems fantastic. That would be like any comic fan's dream, right? And I could I could right. spend hours there. That would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think it's partially because if you look at sales, because most of those are stuff from like the, anywhere from like the 70s to the 90s. Yeah. When they used to sell like in the millions so yeah, yeah, people would just just dump them off or sell them or whatever. But now, when you look at it, most of your uh, most of your books sell 
average what thirty thousand maybe. Yeah. Oh, and you're and yeah. Sorry. So, so they're not maybe making as much. So mm. they're not they're not being left over. They're kind of making whatever they need. They're not having extra ones that they can just throw into dollar bins. Then yeah. So I think that might have an impact on it too. That that's a really good point actually because that did remind me of another podcast I was listening to and they're talking about. Uh, the X-Force sales back in the 90s, you know, um, X-Force 1, you know, Jim Lee's X-Men, number one. And you're right, yeah, they were they were literally selling millions of those. And that's staggering to think, as you say, rightly say, the, this day and age, um, it's about 30,000 average. I was listening to a, a, another podcast, a different podcast, and they were talking about, um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, uh, the, the gentleman that's writing Iceman. And, and there's talk about Iceman coming back, his new series. And they were talking about the sales for the first Iceman and, and you know, just kind of discussing where, whether it's justified to have a, a, um, a return to Iceman as a series with Sinner Grace, I think, was a writer. And anyway, mm-hmm. um, that was selling, I think, at best, towards the end, 9,000 issues. Like. <laughs> 9,000 oh, wow. <laughs> compared to, you know, enough as it is like 30,000 or 15,000, 9,000. So that was the lowest I've ever heard. Um, but it's ama- yeah, amazing to think back in the day, like literally, yeah, millions. Like that's not a, an exaggeration. Mm. So, yeah, oh, great. Oh, far out. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I do I do have a laugh though when you said it mentioned about X Force and X Men. I do like how they. Like books of those times used to stamp like the first issue collector's item like oh, right yeah. on the cover, Absolutely. and then they print like ten ten million of them. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just you you instantly you instantly uh, negated all value that comic will ever have. Oh, exactly, and and not only that, um, and it's similar to like I guess variants these days. Uh, say with X Force, oh, they're, they're yeah, they're I mean, insane with these variants. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. And, and like, but in the nineties though, you this was their gimmick. Like you'd have the X Force number ones, each um, poly bagged, and each had a a different card in there. So you had to oh, collect right. it. So you were com- you were kind of compelled as a young collector to actually try and get all five of them if you wanted to complete the set. I guess the same could be said for variants as well these days. With um, luckily they're kind of they're they're kind of going down a bit. Um, they're, they're not going too crazy with variants. Um, do you collect variants yourself? No, I I no. don't. No, no I, I just need I just need the story between the covers. I don't really care about the different cover. Mm. How, how about for uh, for Moon Knight? Say, <laughs> uh, yeah, just just the same. I kind of just, the just same. yeah, 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 exactly. They're all the same. Yeah, it's, except it's, for the covers. On yeah, I mean, look, that's true. I mean, I think Moon Knight's the only one that I really do get. I try to actively get the variants for, for all of them. Um, but you're right. Uh, even actually now, I'm actually... This is slightly off, off topic, but um, I'm now kind of making use of the digital copies. You know how you buy a hard copy and then you get the digital code? Um, oh, yeah. I just, I just started doing that actually just a couple of days ago. Like, so you get the hard copy and then use the digital code? Yeah, that, yeah, just to have just if if I'm, if I'm around and about like oh I need something to do I can yeah. just pull it off my tablet and watch it but I'm not really a fan of digital comics but yeah okay yeah I just decided to try it. <laughs> oh look, I, I'm I'm like you. I, I, I once I'm a fan of digital comics, but I I do use them a lot. Um, and like you, 
I thought, what the hell? Look, I'm I'm paying, and in Australia we pay about eight bucks for a comic, which is quite a lot. Oh wow! I <laughs> know, oh, yeah. Well, eight Aussie do- eight Aussie dollars. So yeah, but still. Oh right. Yeah, it's uh, eight bucks. So I'm thinking, if I might as well get bang for my buck, and uh, I might as well have a copy on my iPad, you know, as well. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, starting to do that, um, I, it kind of took a little bit of a time to kind of get over the fact that I'm tearing off that little sticker, <laughs> you know, because oh, yeah. some people can get really, can get really narky about that. But I, um, I did some research, and apparently, it doesn't affect the comic book at all. Like, like if you if you do, you know, if you are yeah. a collector and want to resell it, um, they make a note of it, but it doesn't degrade the comic at all. That's what I understand. It's not like back in the day when they had like the stamps in it, like the mm. collect, like the Marvel stamps. You'd have yes. if you wanted to collect the stamp, you had to cut the whole thing out. Or even like yeah. when they had like the subs- they had like the subscription uh, forms, like on the back of a page that had like part of the story on. So you'd, if you wanted to fill out a subscription, you had to cut out, yep. cut out part of the story to send it in, which is was really dumb. Well, I think um, at least- yeah, I'm not sure. Do you collect Valiant comics? Uh, no, no, I mainly just Marvel and DC, okay. mostly Marvel, but okay, because Valiant do a lot of that stuff as well. Um, and one of our the high priest, uh, Rebecca, she, I, I believe she's done that where they you have to do you have to cut out the coupons in the Valiant thing to get a um, you know, a uh, exclusive issue. Um, so <laughs> she got an exclusive issue of uh, the Harbinger Wars two, I think, which is a recent um, a recent event up now but yeah that's a hard thing to do you, you wouldn't want to be cutting into your comics right so no. it it's weird it's weird yeah because you said about how like how when you pull off the the sticker for the code it doesn't affect it but mm. if you would go to like for example i think incredible hulk 181 which is the first appearance of wolverine mm. there is a massive like change in value if it has the stamp cut out or not yeah if you have the stamp in it it's worth x amount of thousands more than it is if you don't have the stamp in it yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's it's i guess it depends on what you really want out of out of your comics as well look when i first i I first started get i got the hunt for wolverine you know the number what that one-off issue and i thought okay i'll get okay i thought i'd get the digital code for that and i bloody kind of ripped a bit of the page off so oh yeah. oh wow yeah so but i thought oh should i get another copy he's like ah oh, stuff it you know what am i going to do i'm probably going to end up with this copy anyway i'm not going to sell it so yeah or or at worst i'm going to give it away you know to a library or something or whatever so um yeah i yeah i'm trying to be less precious but but you know um each in their own if you're a, a serious collector of course by all means i'm not playing that down or, or anything like that um yeah it, it's all depends on what we do with our comics um and that kind of leads me i guess to one of the primary questions i always ask the guests josh uh and that is oh hang on before we even get into this um Looney's listening out there you might be wondering josh is already in the grant mansion josh you are in the grant mansion aren't you look you can see the you oh can, yeah you can see the um the, the vast tapestries on the wall you can see the uh, the legacy portraits, you know, there of Mark Spector. Um, yeah, yeah. How, how are you finding your time in Grant Mansion? All good? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot bigger than what I thought it was. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'm yeah. sure there's an entrance to the Batcave somewhere. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wrong oh. house. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a red phone here somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, oh, uh, yep. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, right, yeah, we're here. I mean, I know I would apologise for the dank and musty smell. It is a big mansion. It is full of old stuff. Mark is a bit of a hoarder. Uh, but this weekend, obviously, he has um, given me free reign again. Look, we might bump into um, some other of Mark's um, friends here. I know Samuels might be around. Uh, Dave from our last episode was um, was looking for Marlene. Uh, she might pop up. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Frenchie as well. You never know. Um, although I can never understand Frenchie because he always speaks in French. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, you are in Grant Mansion. Um, sorry, I've been very rude. Um, uh, we've been just chatting away here in the ante room, uh, just uh, in from the door. So, hang on, um, Josh, let's, let's, let's walk down the hall here and uh, let's head into the living room with a, with a nice roaring fire. Hey there, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel I Am Your Target Demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. Oof, toasty. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, uh, nice and comfy here with our um, leather chairs, I think. <laughs> Chesterfield, that's oh, it. That... Chesterfield couches. Yeah. Nice bearskin rug. Bearskin rug there, yep, yep. Freshly <laughs> freshly hunted. <laughs> Mark uh, exchanges uh, every week. He changes it every week. I think we've got, we've got bear this week. So, uh, yeah, so Josh is here um, and... You know, before we kicked off, I got just too excited, Looney's just chatting up, you know, chatting here with, with Josh. Um, now, Josh, you know, do, do you want a drink, by the way? Sorry. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Let's see. Okay, hang on. Let me let me just ring the bell. Yep, hang on. We've just got to wait for... Hi, Samuels. <laughs> yes, hi, Samuels. Hi, yes, this is uh, another guest. Yes, <laughs> another guest for... Isla Ra books. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Josh, what would you like? Well, if we're a Moon Knight's uh, mansion, I think the only thing we can drink is moonshine. Oh, yeah. Samuels, you, uh, have you made a, a fresh batch of moonshine? <laughs> Excellent. All right, okay, look, I'm up, for, I'm up for one too. So make that two Samuels and, uh, you know, have a, have a um, little tumbler for yourself if you want. Thank you. All right, cool. Well, while we wait for Samuels to come back with that, Josh, in front of this fire... Uh, well, let's get back to the questions. I wanted to ask you, you spoke to me about um, your local comic book store. Uh, how did you get into comics? And can you pinpoint the first time that you actually, you know, that, that switch flicked off in your head and you decided, yep, I'm going to collect comics? All right. Well, actually, it's kind of an, an interesting because I had kind of like two phases, I guess. Mm-hmm. Actually, before I even got into comic books, I actually was into um, comic strips. Sort of. Uh, oh. Have you ever heard of Cal- Calvin and Hobbes? Oh, you are, yep, talking my language, good sir, yes. <laughs> oh, my, uh, so my dad had a, a bunch of the, like, the collections of it, mm-hmm. and so I read those, as a, read those as a kid. So that was, like, my first foray into, like, any type of comic material. Yeah. And I read those when I was kind of younger. And then also, um, when I was a kid, uh... 
there was this book series, this kids book series called Captain Underpants. You might, oh. he, you, he might be known now because he just had an animated movie come out last year. Is that what, the, the, is that Nickelodeon or? Uh, I think it was DreamWorks that did it. Okay, I think. But uh, so, like the premise of that is, is these two kids make comic books, and their superhero is called Captain Underpants. So okay. in in the story, like they would create comics of this character, their superhero called Captain Underpants, and then <laughs> through hijinks and like they use like this, this hypnotic ring to turn their uh, their mean principal into Captain Underpants. So 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 you have the superhero, yeah. and then his alter ego is their mean miserable principal. Okay. But so I would read so so they would make the comics. So I would read the comics in there. So that was really. My first techno, I guess, comic book, yeah. I guess. So did that you, was the start of it. And then, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, did you did you dabble? You said, like, at this age, when you're getting into, like, comic strips, did you dabble with drawing or anything like that or writing or? Um, I've always kind of been interesting and inter- interested in writing. Uh-huh. But I always, I always have that thing where I, I start writing, I write a paragraph, and then I just have a mental block, and then I never come back to it. <laughs> I'm sure I have a, I have like a couple of notebooks of stuff that I just dug around and found, and just the stuff where I have like these massive ideas, and I start writing, and then I, yeah. and then I'm done <laughs> because I can't <laughs> think of anything else. I actually, I actually do, ha- I did just find a, and this will tie into my first actual comic books, but mm-hmm. I did make my own Spider-Man comic. Awesome! That I just found recently. Yeah. It's so shit. <laughs> so it's so it, bad. Is this uh, written and drawn and produced and all, all by itself? Yeah, it's like it's like five or six pages, and it's nice. Spider-Man versus Claw, who is basically just Boba Fett with claws, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and it's it's real dumb. But I just, I just found it the other day or a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh wow, I can't believe I forgot I actually did this. That that's, that's, I had the next issue planned out called Spider-Man vs. Beast. Yeah. I never, I didn't know there was a character called Beast at that, at oh, that really? time in Marvel oh, okay. either. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. No. All right. You, uh, you picked it. And, and so I assume Spider-Man would have um, been one of your early forays into superheroes? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, uh, so my first comic... Well, I guess it was right after like the, the Spider-Man movie came out, I guess, on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it must have been like 2003. I got it for my birthday. Yeah. And I watched it and I was like, wow, like this is awesome. Like Spider-Man is cool. Yeah. And also at the time, I guess they were, Spider-Man was massive too after that movie. Yeah. If you remember. Yeah. It was everywhere. W- were you aware I, of him before the movie? Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think I was. I think I kind of, I think I had like a knowledge of like a lot of these characters. But I don't remember how. Yeah. Especially Marvel ones. I, I mean, I knew Batman stuff. I yeah. know, like, uh, like my first like superhero movie that I really saw was Batman and Robin. Oh, which I really? Know, oh, poor you. Which I know. <laughs> see, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like that's like, well, that movie was made for people in my age group because yeah, I would okay. have been like five when I saw it. So like, I have like wow. such nostalgia for that movie. Yeah, yeah. I know everyone else hates it, but. Like that, yeah, like that. That's like my guilty pleasure, I that, guess. Actually, that is a very good point, and that is very interesting because <laughs> that movie. I mean, like a lot of people and a lot of uh, you know, I guess people more my age look at it, and you know, we were 
I can't remember. We were like in our late teens and, you know, already with, with that, and maybe even in our 20s. And so that movie was a, a write-off straight from the start. But you're absolutely right. For a younger audience, that have, that might have been right up there, like right in your wheelhouse. Um, so it would be interesting, yeah, as, you, as you're saying, as a five-year-old, like what your experience was of it. And, and by all means, it just sounds like it was this was the, the bee's knees of, of movies, right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was. And, like, it, it's funny. Like, so, like, I, I watched that one. I think I saw Batman Forever first, but I remember seeing it once. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wow, that was awesome. I'm, I, this is back in the days of v, VHS, if anyone remembers what yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, well, I'm going to rewind it. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll just watch it backwards so I can see it again. Yeah. And the VCR ate the tape. <laughs> so I didn't see it again for like 12 years after that. Oh. But then I tried seeing like the like the first two, so Batman Batman Returns. Yeah. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, I don't like these at all. They're oh. too boring. And like Batman's like not it. I've seen them since. Yeah. Uh, Batman Returns is still terrible. I'm well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Was it scary for you? Like there's a bit of darkness in Tim Burton's stuff. Was it? Did you find that? Mm, I... Well, I, you know what? Actually, I don't think I've ever seen it from beginning to end. Uh-huh. I think I've always caught it in bits, and I think like the first time I might have seen it, seen like Batman Returns, yeah, was like the bit where I think it's Penguin and Batman are like they're talking to each other in the street, and then Catwoman comes out of that building that she like blows up. Mm. I saw that like, oh wow, this is weird. Yeah, and then I think I changed the channel or something like that. <laughs> That's like all I saw for a while. Yeah. But even as an adult, I tried watching it. I'm like, this is, this is unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, the uh, 80, Batman '89 is, I still think, is pretty good. Obviously, I, I yeah. think everyone thinks like that's the best one of the bunch. But I have to put Batman and Robin like number two out of those four. Ah, uh, because I'm probably the only person in the world to say that. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, uh, Josh, this uh, this episode and. Look, no judgment and stuff, and totally understandable as well. It's, this is the beauty, and, and I hark about this time and time again as well, is that the beauty with comics is that everyone, or comics or comic book movies, everyone takes from it what they want, you know, whether it's good or bad. You know, I, I, use, I myself love the B-list, uh, like the B-grade movies, like the C-grade movies, you know. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched like Sharknado and, and, you know, Mega Shark and Giant Octopus. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that because it's, you know, it's, I'm not there to, to, to watch something, you know, written by Tolstoy or friggin' Dostoyevsky. You know, it's just a bit of fun. I can switch off, you, you know, so everyone has different things and other people might like the more highbrow stuff and, and enjoy that. And that's fantastic. Well, there's a time and place for that as well. But, um, yeah, as you're saying, Batman and Robin, if that is one of your top two Batmans, then by all, <laughs> by all means, far out all to you. Sir. Well, I, I, at least of the, at least of that bunch. I mean, all this newer yeah. stuff, it blows us all that stuff out of the water, but, but yeah. Ooh. So what do you rate? Um, how do you say that the Nolan Batman trilogy? Oh, um, are, are you I a big Batman dark, fan? I'll, Sorry, by any chance? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Bat- yeah. Uh, yeah, Batman is really the only like, DC hero that I really that yeah. I'm really into. Okay, so I have I have um, I have more Batman comics than any other like DC one. I'm not really into Superman. I, I, I just prefer Marvel. I think DC has too many like godlike characters. Oh, like I, they're too overpowered. Overpowered, right? And, right. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get into to Superman. Um, actually, one of the earlier Olaras, um, Sons of the Dragon, Connor. Uh, he he was. Uh, I've been talking to him and uh, been very interested in getting into Superman because I think he fills a void that uh, my comic collecting has recently lacked, and and that is a, a really highly powered super super being. Um, but yeah, Connor was telling me the other day um, the Spectre. Um, from DC, are you familiar with the Spectre? Um, I've the only thing I've read of him is if you've ever read, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run. Okay. Um, okay. Which I'm also into. Green Arrow is the other one I'm. Oh yeah. I'm fond of for DC also because of the Arrow TV show. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, so the, so the Spectre is in. I guess this is when. Um, how Jordan became the Spectre. Mm-hmm. Like, he he, w- he was in there because... Oh, it's been a while since I read this story, but basically Oliver Queen and he's talking to yeah. the Spectre, who is Hal Jordan, because they had that team up back in the 70s with... Uh, I think I vaguely remember... Green Arrow, Green Arrow. Yeah. I think I vaguely... And they were yeah. catching up then. Yeah. Sorry, I, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. I think I vaguely remember something like that. As well, I don't read much DC at all, but I think I did remember when the Spectre kind of mingled in with with those characters. Uh, I don't know how I stumbled onto it, but um, but what I was going to say about the Spectre was that he's unbelievably overpowered. Like from what Connor was telling me, like he's almost like a god. Like he can he can manipulate time, space. He can. I don't know. He can how to do all this sort of stuff. That that <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, when you say DC is overpowered, that's that's how I kind of see some of it as well. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you, Samuels. Thank you. Yes, just put the moonshine down there. Yes, there's your glass, Josh. All right. Thanks, Alfred. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's gonna hate me. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna do this to him constantly. <laughs> uh, he always grumbles. Don't worry. Just uh, <laughs> as long as he doesn't bring out the shotgun like he did on Taskmaster, I think we'll be all right. Mm. Thank you, Alfred. Oh, no, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> thank you. Oh, tell Mark you did well. Thank you. Okay, off he goes. <laughs> off he goes. Um, yeah. Um, so where were we talking? Oh, uh, yeah, talking about uh, so comics. Sorry, you got into. Um, uh, you're talking oh, about comics, yeah. comic strips, sorry, and we jumped a little because uh, you went to you got yeah. into Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. Yeah. So um, after I saw that movie, mm-hmm. um, and I saw a bit of the the uh, the animated series because they were airing them on one of those one of the channels. I forget which one. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched a bit of that. The only episode of that I really remember was like the first like Hobgoblin episode. Ah. And and I. I don't really remember too much of. It. I remember the very end where Spider and Hobgoblin were fighting, and uh, I think Hobgoblin throws Spider Man into a building and throws a pumpkin bomb at him. Hmm. And then the end is just the thing blowing up and Hobgoblin just laughing, just cackling like a maniac. Yeah. And it's like to be continued. I'm like, oh no! Like I gotta watch it tomorrow. <laughs> but because it was in syndication, it wasn't the next episode. Oh, uh, no. So I didn't. So I didn't. So I didn't see how that ended for like. Yeah. Ten years. <laughs> oh god, what a what a cliffhanger! And but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Hobgoblin's Hobgoblin. Uh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was about to say Hobgoblin is is a great villain, um, and uh, we'll touch upon also as well. Obviously, the main reason why you're here, Josh, as well, is to obviously go through your Isla Ra books. Uh, one of them being a a Spider Man book, which is pretty cool. Um, but who would your um, 
Who would your favourite Spider-Man villain be? Ooh. That's a hard one, because he's... I know, he's got, I he's got lots. Mm. I don't know, I might have to say... Maybe just for the sake of the book we're going to be talking about, I guess I might have to say like Green Goblin. Yeah. Maybe both iterations, because they both okay. do so, sort of like the most... The most... Uh, like damage, I guess, to Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have to say, for me, I'd say Venom. I reckon he he came on the scene. I remember with Todd McFarlane, and he just blew me away. I loved his whole, I don't know, those things about bad guys and they're having a sense of honor. You know how he um mm. won't kill innocents or women and children, but he's like a savage, sadistic psychopath. Uh, and, and the symbiotes are well, fantastic. I think. Um, uh, yeah, he'd probably be my favourite. But yeah, Green Goblin is really good. Uh, were you happy with his iteration in um, in the movies? Or uh, in Spider Man One? Yeah, yeah. I think even even to this like right now, I still think he's really good. Um, mm-hmm. As a, and, and also uh, like Harry Osborn because he does become he goes I guess technically like the new Goblin. Yeah. In Spider Man Three, but I still think I still think he did a pretty good job, and I thought he was pretty decent. And even, I know people a lot give, like they give, uh, was it like Sam Raimi shit for? Oh, you gave him the worst, um, like the whole amnesia thing. Oh yeah, yeah. But I don't think people realize, like, that happens to all the Goblin characters in Marvel comics. Yeah, they yeah. all get amnesia, so it's not like, yeah, maybe it doesn't work well in a movie setting, but that's taken right from the source material. And that's and that's something. So that I think. Yeah, that's something that we um, appreciate as comic book fans when when there are these nods to the comic book, uh, you know, versions of the characters as well. Did you um, did you see there was something on YouTube um, a while ago? Did you see the the mask of the Green Goblin that they were going to use before? Oh, it was like like an animatronic. Yeah, did you sort see of thing? Did you yeah, see, that would have been. I think I saw like a like yeah. a still of it. Yeah. Oh, you saw a still. You didn't see it moving. Oh, it is I, yeah. really good. I reckon if they use that... I mean, look, I don't mind the, the version by Willem Dafoe as well, but if they use that mask, because that was full-on scary, I thought that would have been really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's, also we- it, it, it's also weird that... So, like, that, that footage came out, but then when they did um, the Green Goblin again mm. in Amazing Spider-Man 2, that they didn't... That they, you thought like they would have maybe tried something like that instead of yeah. making it like a disease or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that, w- that was weird. I'm just trying to think of in in. Uh... Oh, you're talking about Amazing Spider-Man two. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not Spider-Man two. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that um, that version. Uh, I did li- I did like the actor. Um, I thought he would. Oh been... yeah, he was good. Yeah, but uh, oh, there a lot of uh, a lot of problems that I thought with Amazing like. That it, I, I didn't mind Garfield, but um, I just thought the story, the writing for Amazing Spider-Man Two was pretty. Uh, I mean, for the caliber of stars that you got there, I thought they they could have done a lot more. Um, and what are your thoughts of Homecoming, like the the latest iteration? Oh, really good. I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man is he is he good? He, yeah. He's good. I, I I mean Toby Maguire is my Spider-Man because uh, that was the Spider-Man yeah. that I had when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I no, I, I like Tom Holland. I think he fits that universe well. Yeah, I think he's I think he's, he's done a really good job. Um, 
He's got a convincing American accent, I guess. I don't know. You're an American. Does it sound convincing? Or Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was British oh. at, at first. And then Fantastic. when they did like that behind the scenes of Infinity War, yeah. you heard, I heard him talk. I'm like, oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> but, you know, this, well, I didn't know that Andrew Garfield was British either. Yeah, right. And then I heard him talk. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, they, can, they can do good American accents. Oh, they got good. Well... We were talk- I think I can't remember who we were talking about. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, has a bit of a dodgy one, doesn't he? Um, Doctor Strange? Yeah, I, get- I think it's fine, because he sounds a lot like, if you listen, have you ever watched House? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or heard of House? Him and, um, what the hell is uh, this guy's name? Hugh, oh, Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie, yeah. Yeah, like, like they sound completely similar, and I think, <laughs> so I, I think it works all right. Okay, well, because you know, Hugh Laurie's English as well, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. So they must have got the same um, accent coach or something. (laughs) Could be, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, you know, so you you do know, you know, you got into Spider-Man, Batman, all that stuff. I guess um, wanting to edge towards what kind of got you into Moon Knight, of all things? Um, That actually ties into, like, my first guy. We've been going on a lot of tangents. Yeah, that's all right. So, like, like, it goes to, like, the first comics I ever bought. Mm. So, after I saw a Spider-Man movie, I went to the the comic shop that I, the one I still go to, but this is at their old location. So, I went in basically knowing nothing about comics. I was like, oh, I want to read Spider-Man. So, I just went through and I I just picked out three covers, or ones that had, like, the coolest covers. Yeah, right. So, I picked up. Um, so I picked up, first one I picked up was Marvel Tales, mm-hmm. number 256, which is, uh, I didn't know it was a reprint series at the time, but mm-hmm. it was just, it was Spider-Man and Ghost Rider teaming up. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I'll take up Spider-Man number 24, like the adjective list Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, which has, uh, which has Hobgoblin on it, uh-huh. and, uh, Doppelganger, who I knew from the Maximum Carnage uh, NES oh, Super Nintendo game. Is that the multi-legged, yeah. multi-legged person? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a tie into the Infinity War. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. crossover. Yeah, which I, I didn't even know what the heck that was up until a couple <laughs> years ago. I never knew what that was. Yeah, and then like the, the third comic I picked up was Amazing Spider-Man number three fifty-six, which is part four of the Round Robin crossover. Woo-hoo! Yes, awesome. Yeah, I picked, and I picked it up. I actually, have it right here. Yeah. I picked it up. Because I was like, because I always like the guys. Because if you know the cover, it's Spider-Man, yep. Night Thrasher, Moon Knight standing on top of a building. Yeah. And I always like the guys who like who have like the cool masks on. Like I always like like in Star Wars, I like the bad guys more because they look cool. Like Boba, <laughs> uh, Boba Fett, Stormtroopers, Darth, they look cool because the masks. Yeah. I like Night Thrashers is sort of like Boba Fett, and I like yeah. the like the Moon Knight mask. Yep. So I was like, oh, I gotta get this one. Yeah, it was part four of six. Yep. Just uh, jump right in the middle of it. <laughs> I know that's a bit bit of a strange one to jump into, but did, did, did you later get the other ones? Obviously, or... yeah. I, I, well, because it, it opens up with Spider Man, Moon Knight, Night Thrasher on the moon copter, and Punisher just laying unconscious. Like, well, those guys really kicked our asses before. I'm like, well, what happened? I got to go back and get it. <laughs> so I end up going back and yeah. getting the rest of them. Awesome, yeah, for sure. How good? Then, how good is Mark Bagley's art back then? I don't know. I just really love it. It's um so clean. And it's so. Oh, it's awesome! It is, isn't it? And it's uh, it's a really good. We're gonna have to. We've we've got um some other loonies knocking on the door like Rick Ball, uh, wanting to to do a, a review of this um round robin, and I think we have to because it is such a fun tale, um, and Moon Knight, yeah, is, is well part into it. it. Actually, his his mythology is is well integrated because there's a fair bit on Midnight, um, 
Jeff. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Wild. Jeff Wild. Yeah. So um, that that's pretty good as well, and then that kind of feeds off um, into later Moon Knight iterations like um, the Houston run. Um, right, which we see. So, ah, okay. So, so Round Robin was your introduction into Moon Knight, and did you end up? Um, what was what was the next like? Did you end up going for Mark Specter Moon Knight first, or did you? Uh, yeah, that well, I was I, at that point. I got to just grab whatever I could because I was still kind of new into the whole collecting. So I kind of just went through. And it, actually, this was well because this was like two thousand three. I didn't really get into full on collecting. Yeah. Until. Um, probably about 2013 really so it was about 10 years oh, wow. between. i cool. didn't really i didn't, i think i just i just read the ones i had over and over again and plus yeah. i didn't i didn't have the internet so i couldn't look up like look more into this stuff yeah i think the only the comics i got between then and like 2013 was like a one of like those random packs of like 20 comics for five bucks at like a discount store yeah which which i uh this is actually kind of funny i'll just touch on this real quick so those yeah. that pack actually had my two uh, my first Batman comic and my first Superman comic oh. in there. So sorry, how, how did you? Yeah, you, so you got this pack. Sorry, where, uh, where did you get this pack? Sorry. Uh, this, yeah, this is maybe about like a year or so later, like maybe like two thousand four or five. Uh-huh. And they just had just a random random back issues package in it. Okay. And so my first um, my first Superman comic was Action Comics number six eighty seven, mm-hmm. which is the start of the reign of the Superman. Story oh, okay. like right after Superman died. Yeah, yeah. So I go and open this thing up, and people are like, "Oh, it sucks. Superman's dead." Hey, here's this other guy in a Superman costume with a weird visor oh. and everything. And I'm like, "What? What is going on?" Being shortchanged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And then my other one was my Batman one was number four ninety eight. Yeah. Which the cover has Bane ripping apart the bat uh, batsuit because this is part of the Nightfall storyline. Oh, okay. And it opens up. Yeah. Opens up. My, my first Batman panel is Bruce Wayne with his back broken, laying on a stretcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the and at the end, and then at the and then he just like Bane took everything from me. Well, he's just complaining the whole time, and then yeah. John Paul Valley takes up at the end. So yeah. like John Paul Valley was technically my first Batman, oh. <laughs> which is weird. But you yeah. know that that's the um that's a strange, and I think the good thing about comics, um, obviously. They've been around. Comics have been around for so long, right? And there's only so much you can do with a certain character. So you always get it. And you see it with Marvel a lot. You always, you know, your all-new Wolverine, your Jane Foster Thor, your Amadeus Cho Hulk. And you, and then you get the comic fans that are going, you know, oh, I really do love the old-fashioned ones. When, when are we going to get the real or the, you know, the, the old-school character? But you see it in comics all the time where writers will... Um, you know, pull and stretch the characters beyond. So it, it doesn't surprise me, I guess, that... I guess what I'm saying is that, that you jumped in with these random packs and you got an issue where Superman isn't Superman or Batman isn't Batman because it seems to be a constantly churning kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've been doing it, they've been doing it for years, but yeah, like lately yeah. people just get gotten real pissy about it. I mean, I guess they were, but I wasn't around back then, so I don't know. But. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's... Uh, you know, there are valid points on both sides as well. You know, people do like their old school stuff, but there's also always room for for actually refreshing stuff as well. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just an observation, I guess. I find that they um, they do chop and change. And you know, I'll say it again as well with Moon Knight. I think it's really good. It's really fresh because he seems to change 
every every volume um, and but there happens to be a thread a little still with him um, having said that though it's not like he's actually changed character completely we haven't seen that yet really apart from the ultimate universe um, so I think um, it's right for the for the taking for, for Moon Knight to be you know maybe rebooted or so um, what would your thoughts be on on uh, I don't know a different person taking up the mantle like uh, what was his name Azrael taking on the mantle of Batman how would you see someone taking on the mantle of Moon Knight say Frenchie uh, um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure really to be honest I don't I don't I don't think it's really I don't think that would really work no. I think Moon Knight's strength is, is his is his uh, like his his mental yeah things I think I play I think that's so ingrained as part of the character I don't think anybody else can really that's true take up take take up the mantle well you'd I have mean, you'd have to then try to make that character who does take on the mantle of Moon Knight um, particular and special in their own way as well. Because you're right, one of the main things about Moon Knight is something intrinsic in Mark Spector. So if you take Mark Spector out, what then would make Moon Knight... Unless you kind of get into the Egyptology, I guess. I don't know. There could be ways that you could do it. I, I think... I mean, I guess it could... They could do a thing like where maybe, like, Conchu just abandons Mark and then finds a new avatar. Like, you could mm. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fine. Like, yeah. like, I, I guess, I, actually, I guess it could work, but it would have to be somebody completely different, not like not somebody within his okay. like supporting cast. I think it would have to be somebody completely different. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's true, and you'd be open for that. I, I think I'd be, you know, I guess I would be open for that. But I'd like to see kind of similar, I guess, with Thor. You'd, you'd still want to see Mark Spector around somewhere, you know, hovering. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that would be really cool. I think. Um, anyway. Sorry, Josh. I think we uh, we we do touch on a few tangents here, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> I enc- I encourage it, please, and let's keep on doing it. Um, but I wanted to at least start to touch upon your Isla Ra books. So um, for loonies who haven't read the episode summary <laughs> already attached to this episode, um, you will not know what the books are that Josh has chosen. And I can tell you all four of them are absolute gems. Um, so as usual, we will go through um, two of them, which are notably honourable mentions, uh, and we'll go through them like, broadly, and uh, then we will head into um, a more detailed discussion of Josh's top two books. So these four books, Josh, you can assure me, if you were stranded on the Isle of Ra and you had the Sun King bearing down on you, uh, no food, no water, but you had these four books. These books would do it for you, yeah? Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you, you've actually chosen wisely because your two honourable mentions, they happen to be two, um, how shall we say, milestone issues. So yeah. I believe they're a bit a bit um, larger than usual, right? Yeah, they're, they're both double-sized. Yeah, uh, so you, you yep. found a loophole here, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Um, so, Loonies, what Josh has chosen, I'm just pulling it up now. Um, what Josh has chosen is first the Invincible Iron Man, issue 200, uh, and also the Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, hang on. Whoops, I don't have that here. I'm sure it's here somewhere. Uh, 200 as well, isn't it? Yep, yep. both 200. 
Excellent. Uh, righty. Well, uh, let's let's kick off with the Iron Man then. So this is one of your your favourite. This is your top four. This is in your top four, Josh. Um, before we get into the whys, uh, could you give us a maybe just a quick rundown of the the story? What happens here in this milestone? Sure. Is it okay if I give like a little bit of backstory? Because this is like the end of uh, that's like the culmination of like three. Yeah, of course. Like, uh, years worth of storyline. Of course. So actually, actually been... uh, sorry. Before you start, sorry. Um, of course, please do. Um, but actually, can I also ask you to re- read out the the credits for this? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Okay, so the story is called Resolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, writer Denny O'Neill, Mark Bright is the penciler, Aiken and Garvey. I guess they're a team, or the Inkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Parker, letterer. Bob Sharon, colorist. Mark Grunewald, editor. And the infamous Jim Shooter <laughs> as editor-in-chief. <laughs> yes. So this so this issue is basically the culmination of the kind of the whole arc that kind of began in, like, uh, issue, like, 160 or something like that, when Danny mm-hmm. O'Neill first took over the the run yeah and this, he introduces Obadiah Stane who is the big the big villain and he basically forces Tony Stark <laughs> back into alcoholism mm. and he Tony basically he he loses his company well first he yeah becomes an alcoholic again like real bad mm-hmm. and he I guess like the breaking point is he you get basically he gets drunk and he jumps into the Iron Man armor and he gets into a fight while he's drunk. No, and apparently causes bad real bad havoc. So he gives up the mantle of Iron Man to to Rhodey mm-hmm. Jim Rhodes, and he basically just becomes a just a wan- like a wandering like hobo like throughout New York or whatever. And any little bit of money he just spends on booze and he does this for like like fifteen or twenty issues. Like wow, Tony Stark is not Iron Man. It's like so. So Jim Rhodes is Iron Man. Like this is his first time, basically being Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, Tony, eventually he, he gets himself back together and he creates his own company again with some of his, I guess, his his loyal uh, employees that left Stark Industries because Obadiah Stane, after he ousts uh, Tony Stark, he takes over the company. He turns it from Stark International to Stane International, mm-hmm. and. Then Tony, he he gets his head out of the gutter and he starts getting himself back together. But he's not Iron Man yet, and he forms his own company. And then, uh, basically, at the the previous issue of this is Stain sends a bomb to uh, his company, yeah, Tony Stark's company, and blows it up. And that's basically where this star story begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's um, yeah, it's actually it's good to hear that that backstory as well. When I first read this, it's not actually I wasn't too lost in it because there was a lot of recap you know in a, in a couple of flashbacks you know in the first couple of pages so um but it is good to hear the backstory of this um yeah so so this is basically this is a big issue this milestone issue because there are two big things i guess that come out of it as you say as well it's a return of tony stark uh into his suit uh and also well I don't want to spoil too many things because, um, actually, Josh, how about you um, you summarize this issue then? All right. Uh, so, so basically, we learned that the explosion in the last issue basically killed um, one of his his friends slash coworkers, I guess, mm-hmm. and he feels really guilty about it. And 
the 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 guy who died, his sister is like really flipping out on Tony, and then mm-hmm. Tony basically he, he's realized that like, he knows that Stan is responsible for it, so he he's gonna go take care of it. And then he goes, and there's this great moment where he go he walks into Aven- uh, West Coast Avengers Mansion, and he just blows past Hawkeye mm-hmm, yeah. and Mockingbird, and you see and you see him suiting up, and it's the first appearance that we see of the silver centurion armor yeah right which is awesome that's really cool it is yeah and then you see him and then you, he's basically he's, he's heading to to stain international and then you see obadiah stain walking through a factory and then he he produces like this notebook he said oh like this was found when i took over the company and it's all of <laughs> Tony Stark specs, oh, yeah. which happens a lot. A yeah, lot. Yeah. <laughs> His specs get stolen a lot. Yeah, and like in a, a convenient little book as well. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and then you see that he has his scientists basically working on the what's called what's known as the Iron Monger suit, which is mm-hmm. like a bigger, bigger size uh, Iron Man suit. Yes, much like a lot. A lot of this is taken is inspired the first like Iron Man oh, movie. Absolutely. That whole, or, yeah. 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 There's no, um, there, there's no flip out though by, by Obadiah Stane mm. when he's like, Tony Stark built this yeah. in a cave with a pile of scraps. Yeah. So, but I, I no, love, none of that in here. On. <laughs> but I, I love that. I mean, like, um, it's not spoiling anything on. But uh, what we do see is kind of touched upon that in that they can't replicate exactly what what you know the Iron Man suit is because Tony later on we see in the issue or Iron Man. Uh, exposes a lot of the shortcomings of the Ironmonger suit. So I, I kind of related that to a reference to um, Jeff Bridges, you know, Obadiah in the film, saying, you know, right. he made this in a cave. And it, and I like it because it just shows the superiority of Tony Stark's, like, intellect and, I guess, prowess in making this in the Iron Man suit. So anyway, that's what, yeah. Right. Yeah. So then, uh, then Iron Man, he makes his way to the, to, uh, the State International... And he crashes through, and I love how, I love how the the lady still, like, even though like she knows like that's Iron Man, the this reception is still like, uh, do you do you have an appointment? Like, <laughs> yeah, come on, <laughs> exactly. And she actually yeah. goes, oh, I'll go tell him. Like, there's a big hole in the side of the building, and she's still doing protocol. You, know, you just stand right there. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And then uh, so then Stain finds or he sees that uh, that Iron Man has showed up. So first he sends off his goons, the the chessmen, who are real stupid looking. <laughs> what is going but, on there? What is that? What yeah, are you... I, oh. Well, I think when he was first, and Stain was first introduced, like he was like the like they were like I guess like sort of like a like a gang I guess sort of. Yeah. So they all had like their like you have like the like the knight, the rook, the bishop, <laughs> and I guess Stain was the king. I guess because Stain is like kind of like calculating or whatever, so like all calculated villains are good at chess or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like. exactly. So, so I, I guess I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, they, they look they look real stupid, but yeah, they, 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 Tony Stark takes, he takes care of them and he, mm-hmm. he beats them up. It doesn't take too long, and does it? He just... Uh... No, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One repulsor blast and that's, they're done that's for it. Yeah. That's it. I, I do like how he, he does catch. He's like, I should let you guys fall to the ground and die, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. on you, Tony. Nice one. Yeah. And then, and then we see Stain suit up as the Iron Monger, which is also cool. And I do like how they have like the identical uh, panel layouts. Like, it's, yeah, it's two rows of four. Yeah, and they both 
suit up identical ways, and then you have the one shot of the the Ironmonger suit. And it looks pretty cool. The Ironmonger suit looks pretty awesome, I must say. Um, but I also have to add that I love it how they Obadiah Stane and Tony Stark both have to get into their underwear to get you know uh, to get down into their yeah, underwear. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> to get padded in. Uh, it's not convenient changing. No, it. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Got to undress to get dressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so then, uh, then Iron Man and and Iron Monger duke it out over the uh, over the grounds of Stain International, and yeah, they're just throwing stuff at each other and blowing stuff up. Yeah, and then and then it's revealed that Stain has like a bunch of Tony Stark's friends captured. I guess is like. Mm. Uh, uh, I guess this is part of his ploy. Like, oh, yeah. if he comes, like, this is like my backup plan. His insurance. And he yeah. has like, yeah, yeah, basically, he has like Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts. Yeah, and who it and the movies might throw people off this, but right now, like in these comics, like Pepper Potts and Happy Hogan are actually married, which is oh, kind of weird. Are like, they? From watching, yeah, from watching the movies, yeah, they're, oh. yeah, they're actually married because like the previous couple issues. Aside from the like the Iron Man plot, Stain sends his goons to go capture all of them, and that's why they're here. Yeah, and uh, Stain's saying like basically he he gets Tony trapped in this situation where it's like he can either if he moves mm -hmm. they're gonna die right away, <laughs> but if he doesn't he just has to stay there and they're just gonna starve to death. Starve to death, which is yeah. Uh, you know, there could be a lot quicker ways to get rid of your enemy, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's. That's like a that's like a two month like waiting process. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so but Tony finds a way out of it, and he go, and he chases after him, and then uh, I guess Stain pulls out his last trick. Mm. He, uh, he pulls out this baby, which yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I if I'm, what this baby is basically is I guess it's like. So during like that whole time where he was, where Tony was basically wandering like the streets, yeah, there was an issue where he, like he's like full out drunk and he's just basically he's just collapsed on the side of the street. Mm -hmm. And there's this other this other homeless lady who was pregnant. Oh, okay. And basically about to give birth, and he basically helps deliver the baby just on like this stoop in like two feet of snow. Ah. And they basically they just they just they just huddle there and they're covered in snow. And the police eventually find them. Yeah, and so I, I guess so. Like, so that's this baby. That you know that and would that would make a lot more sense now because from someone reading this as a one-off, uh, and to see to see Ironmonger just pull a baby out of thin air, thin air, or, or you know just yeah, yeah. somehow get a baby from somewhere and just go look look okay you beat me all this other stuff uh, I've got this baby now I'm just gonna squash this baby. <laughs> that's a bit weird. Yeah, when I went to re when I went to reread to prepare for this, I'm like, where the hell did this thing come from? And <laughs> yeah. then. Uh, and then, like, luckily, I had just bought that issue yeah. um, that had that happen, and then I went back and I and I found it, and I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot more sense." Let me make sure I bring it up now because I'm sure you might be a little lost <laughs> just seeing. Yeah, he just pulled this baby just out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so yeah, so that's the deal with that baby, uh -huh. and so Tony does what he can to rescue it, mm -hmm. and uh, then he, he ends up defeating Stain and messing up his armor. Yeah. And then they have this final confrontation, and Stain basically he he knows he's defeated, but he's not gonna he's not going to let himself be captured by the police. Yeah, and so he puts the repulsor to his head and he blows his own head off. Yeah, which is yeah, uh, which is also which is 
it's it's a parallel to uh, I think like the two issues previous they actually show Stain's origin, and oh. that's actually how his that's how his father died. Okay, he was like. He's like, oh, I'm the luckiest, like I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I won like some poker matches and like that. And I got like four hundred dollars. Yeah, like luck is really coming our way. And he, I guess he's just, you know, he's just in a weird state. And he basically has a revolver with one shot, with one shot in it. I guess just out of like celebration, he puts it to his head and he pulls the trigger and he kills himself wow. right in front of a young stain. Yeah, so I guess so. There's parallels with that. Because uh, I, t- I tell you, Josh, this took a turn towards the end here. Um, look, and and not knowing that backstory of the dad. Um, Look, you know, it kind of it kind of summed it up a little in that in that panel with him, you know, reminiscing, and I just assumed his dad committed suicide. That, that was that was my thing, um, but yeah, it really took a turn here when he kind of killed himself, and and so as I mentioned earlier on, uh, two big things happened here. Um, obviously, Stark returning to the armor and the new armor, and also, I guess the um, what happens to the fate of Obadiah Stane. Uh, so a really good read here, Josh. Really, I uh, really did enjoy this, um, and it's a good one to pick because yeah, I, I didn't feel totally lost. But um, obviously, when you're explaining now, kind of the backstories, uh, it kind of puts everything more into place. Uh, so with this issue, Josh, why was this one one of your? I mean, I, I mean, that I'm asking that in the good way. Like, you know, yes. uh, yeah. I think it's because like. I, I, I guess I'm going to the mentality of, is okay. I'm stuck in a desert island mm-hmm. or deserted island. Uh, like what? I, like what do I want to read to remind me of what I had back when I was not here? And like this issue, I think is like like who's the biggest superhero uh, in the world right now? Mm-hmm. Most people will probably say Iron Man because of oh, absolutely. the MCU movies. Yeah, and I think this this issue kind of captivates like this. I think it's like one of like his best stories. Ed plus with like my knowledge of what happened before it, like this is a great culmination of mm. Tony Stark rising back from the basically the depths of hell where he was at yeah. in his life. It w- so I think that's why I like it. Yeah, I mean it, it's it definitely had a good pacing towards it. It was a good read. I thought it was well written. The art was good. Um, there's actually one in particular um, page. There's one of when Obadiah is kind of screaming. Like it has, it fills half the page, and actually the artwork there for me, reminded me a little bit of early Sienkiewicz, um, just with the portraiture of, of Obadiah's space. So that was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, where is yeah, it? I'm yeah. having a look. Uh, it's the one where he's kind of almost shouting, no, I'm having a look. Uh, oh, yeah, yep, yeah, I see it here. Yeah, yeah. And, and just, I don't know, the the, uh, the ink work and uh, the look of the... Maybe a little, even a bit of Dale McKeon's art of '90s Hulk. Uh, I don't know, just the mouth, the eyes, the the face is really good, um, but very expressive. And uh, yeah, mm. it was an enjoyable read. Um, you got a sense of you know his supporting cast as well. You got Rhodey, you got um, Happy Hogan, Pepper Potts, kind of um, as hostages. But um, and even you have the dodgy villains with the bishops and the knights. They, they uh, oh yeah, you got a bit of campiness. Those classic villains. Those cards. Oh. Can't, can't wait to see them in Iron Man Four. <laughs> memorable, yeah. memorable villains. You know, <laughs> timeless, timeless. Uh, no, so yeah. that was that was really good. Um, and as I mentioned in our last Isla Ra books, look, these are your Isla Ra books, Josh. So there's no point in me marking or, or rating them. Um, l- l- you know, just um. 
I do. I did like them. That I did like it. It was. It was really good. Um, but what would you rate this, Crescent Dart wise? Um, I think I would give it a four. A four? Yep. 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 Yeah, I'll give it a four. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good. I think it, a good. I, I think, like I said, I think, I think, because of all the reasons I mentioned before, I mm-hmm. think it's just, not just not just the quality, but everything that leads up to it, like in the, how it just it's the culmination of this. Yeah. Of like three years of storytelling, I think. Like that really, and, it, and it's and it's a good like finale for that whole arc. Yeah, and I think that pushes it up for me. Yeah, and it's got a lot of history, as you're saying, a lot of the backstory, a lot of leading up to it. But what I think also, what I take away from it is that it is a really nice complementary issue uh, book to say your MCU Iron Man films. Like if you want to see uh, touches of Obadiah Stane that you see on screen. Uh, you know, they're not exactly the same, but um, it is, I don't know, it's funky to see the Iron, Iron Munger and Obadiah staying in the comics and him um, taking on, on Iron Man. So, uh, yeah, really good um, really good read there, Josh. Uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's good. I think both, both this one and the Spider-Man we're going to talk about, I think those are both good for maybe giving to somebody who hasn't, who hasn't read anything and they're like, oh, what's a good one? It's like, well, you see in the movies, right? Read these. Yep. And you'll and they'll fit right in. I, I totally agree. So. I totally agree. Like with the Iron Man, it'd be great. It's a good primer. It's a good primer to um, and you know it touches upon um Tony Stark's uh, alcoholism, which which is a big part of his character. You know you can't and and it was kind of nodded to, um in the MCU in, in the first Iron Man film with him you know right picking out those um those drinks after the the test uh, of the Jericho missile yeah. Uh, and the second one too at his party where he's drunk and oh he's, of course yes uh, and he's blowing stuff up and everything yeah yeah so um very intrinsic to to tony suck so uh yeah a very good issue to check out and a, and a milestone one as well a giant size one uh which kind of segues us into your second honorable mention josh and this one is this is a beauty as well. I've got a, a few things to say about this. Uh, this is the spectacular Spider-Man giant size two hundredth issue as well. Um, so this uh, before we say anything, oh, I don't have it here. But it was. Um, do you know when this was released, Josh? Uh, this was nineteen ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And this is a. This was a great. Oh my gosh! This was a good. A good one, like one shot, almost. You know, you know, the, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't much to, to figure out beforehand. There's a little bit of of kind of lead up to it, mm. sort of. Yeah. Um. So like the like the previous like encounter that Spider-Man and uh and Green Goblin, or I guess technically Peter and Harry, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like a, a um kind of like a theme going from like again like issue like six like one sixty to this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conflict between Spider-Man and Green Goblin, but it's more so between Peter and Harry. Yeah. Because as it's shown here, like, like they've lived, like, uh, Harry's known Peter as Spider-Man for years. Uh, like, in in real life, it was, like, 1974, like, when he found mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And, and so, like, one, issue, like, 136 is when he first became the Green Goblin. But in comic book time, that's, like, two years yeah. or something. Yeah. But, um... But so like, but and I, I think he may have got amnesia here and there. Like I said, like in the movies, like mm-hmm. all the goblin characters do. Yeah. And but I, I guess at this point he still knows. And like so, they're living like in the same apartment building. So like they see each other on a daily basis. Mm. And just throughout, just here and there throughout issues, um, 
like the Green Goblin will just show up like to Peter Parker and just just like laugh at him and like say shit at him and then fly mm. away. He's just constantly toying <laughs> toying with him. Yeah. And even he does it in this issue too. I think yeah, he does. part where yeah. where he's like uh, Spider Man's like I I can't do anything about this because he could squeal my about my identity yeah. or whatever. He can hurt people. You know, yep. and there's nothing I can really do about it. Mm. And that's and that's been going on for for years. Mm. It was it was really good um, because one it, it it plays upon that that thing of the uh, importance of Spider Man's secret identity and that vulnerability that comes with it when one of your mortal enemies knows that secret. And he's holding it close to his chest, you know, and he's taunting him. And, um, again, interesting to hear what you say, Josh, about it, because um, in the lead-up about him taunting Spider-Man, you know, for issues beforehand, because this giant size issue, I did get the sense as well. The way it was written, I think it was done really well by J.M. DeMatteis. Um, Mm -hmm. Really well about how he constantly taunts him and, like, how it's just kind of grating away at Spider-Man. Um, so the Green Goblin, basically, he doesn't do anything um, illegal or anything, you know. He even mentions in one of the issues, you know, there's no crime with wearing colourful long johns, you know. I'm just hovering. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just hovering about, you know. And, you know, but he's taunting Spider-Man, like he's pissing Peter Parker off, you know. Uh, and and yeah. so there all these mind games that he plays with him. And I thought this was a really cool... And, and what I was about to say about this issue is that, again, this was uh, around... The, the purple patch of when I was collecting comics in the 90s. I remember collecting... I think I might even have this issue somewhere in my folks' place. Um, but this was uh, Sal Bashima. Uh, I remember the art so yeah. well. He had a long run in Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, and, I re- I, and I didn't realise it was um, Dumateus who was writing this, like now in hindsight. Uh, but, yeah, this was so cool because... Um, it's it's very typical Spider-Man in where that uh, it's not all about the the superhero and the fights. It's really a lot to do with the relationships, and this is mu- right. more this is um, seen more than ever with his best friend, his relationship with him, uh, with Harry, with their relationship with Gwen Stacy, and with their relationship with um, with Mary Jane as well. So it was a really cool, um, a really cool issue here, Josh. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, and uh, yeah, could um, maybe could you kick us off with maybe the um, the credits for this? All right. So, best of enemies, written by J. M. DeMatteis, artist Sal Buscema, letterer Joe Rosen, colorist Bob Sharon, editor Rob Tokar, group editor Danny Fingeroth, and editor in chief Tom DeFalco. Mm. Yeah, and um, a very uh, a very um. Actually, a very kind of stunning first first um, instance with with the Green Goblin kind of kidnapping Mary Jane, but um, but all that is kind of like a ploy, right? That kind of sets him up. Well, he, his intent actually, he wanted to just kind of show his intent to Mary Jane, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not playing. Right. He actually wants to yes. have a conversation with her. I guess if you want me to, I can just go through the story. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Please. Okay. All right, yeah. So it opens up, which I th- I do think it's a great opening shot. Where mm. You just see the silhouette of him just slowly coming up, yeah. And then he just he just screams Mary Jane, and he comes and, and snatches her up. And she's out walking because at the end of the last issue, I guess her and Peter got into a fight. I guess about Harry because like I said, because yeah. he's been tormenting them constantly, and it's affecting their marriage. So she leaves to go for a walk, and that's when he snatches her up. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he takes her to the, and then Peter finds out. He realizes that. 
he's, he realizes his mistake in letting her leave, and he knows that Harry's got her. Yeah. And then we see that um, that Harry is taking Mary Jane to the whichever bridge it is. I forget which one. The one that Gwen Stacy died at. Yeah. Is that Brooklyn Bridge? Which is. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think sometimes it's like the Brooklyn Bridge. Other times it's the George Washington Bridge. Okay. I think it just. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even think I knew it back in back in like that original issue because uh-huh. I guess the like the the like the structure of it conflicts with what they call it. Oh, so, okay. Then that big ass bridge he takes her to, basically, <laughs> and uh, which well, they even say like, "Oh, yeah, this is where Gwen Stacy died." And I can imagine reading this back then, being like, "Oh, they're gonna kill off Mary Jane." Mm. It, it even though I was even though I only read this for the first time a couple years ago, and obviously that's not true. But I still thought that, like, yeah. that's crazy. Like, you think, especially this, this is like an anniversary issue, they're going to do something big. Of course. kill off Mary Jane. Yeah. Especially at this time, they were really trying to do that because they really regretted having to get married. <laughs> but anyways, so uh, he takes to the top of the bridge. And she's basically, she's fully accepted that, like, she, she's accepted she, that she's going to die. Mm. And Harry takes his mask off and he's like, die. Like, I would never hurt you. Like, we were friends. We... Like we've known each other for such a long time. We we were, we were friends. We used to date. I would never hurt you. Mm. It's just your husband who I hate. <laughs> but I just want you to know that you're safe. Yeah. And I think that's a really good moment. And they're reminiscing about back in the day. Yeah. And about when they were young in, in high school. It's like the two of them and Peter and Gwen. Yeah. I think I, I, like this is a really good moment. Like this is such a great moment. Like right at the start. Yeah. Just where they're just talking and embracing each other, and and like uh, also as well, you see at the very beginning, and it happens throughout this, the issue that Harry's friends, like Mary, Mary Jane, Peter, you know, they're trying to help him. Like they're really trying to appeal to his um, more compassionate side. Um, but yeah, he's just his insanity, I guess, gets a better of him. Yeah, yeah. insanity, and he's, and he's just he's just consumed by anger. Mm. For the death of his father, even though his father was a prick, but he's still <laughs> trying to live up to his le- he's still trying to live up to his dad's legacy. Yeah, it's, he's just he's just a mess. Yeah. Anyway, so then, uh, so while this is happening, um, Spider Man is he's trying to find Mary Jane, but he's not having any luck, and he eventually goes home, and they're both there, Mary Jane and and, uh, and Harry, mm-hmm. and they end up fighting. Well, they end up or Spider Man he knocks out Harry not he knocks down Harry yeah and he's like I'm not gonna hurt Mary Jane but like like he he's he's still not giving up on tormenting Peter basically yeah oh he's and yeah. that still causes that still causes like Mary Jane and Peter are still bickering at each other about this one of the um one of the um kind of semi-shocking things I got was when Harry pulls the mask off Peter because again that just reiterates that he knows who's behind the mask and there's nothing that Peter can do to stop him, you know? And for me, that was a very vulnerable moment for Spider-Man. Because like, oh, you yeah. never you never get his mask. You never get him unmasked. But he can't help but just let him just take the mask off because he knows who he is anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah there is a... Uh, there's a one of the previous issues where they're, where they're uh, fighting. There's a... Well, they're both in costume and while they're tussling, like, they get each other's masks off and they're like... I think Harry's like, this is how it should be. It's yeah. not Spider-Man versus Green Goblin. It's Peter Parker versus Harry Osborn. Like, yeah. This is how it should be. Nice and I think this is another great moment of that. Yeah, nice touch. Yeah. 
and then uh, then Harry goes home to uh, to his wife Liz Allen and their and their uh, their son Normie. He's sweating. And He's sweating really, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that that that, that actually that, that does play a part into the end. Okay. Yes. Uh, if, if you want, I can. Do you want me to say kind of what 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 brings that on, or do you want me to wait till the end? Oh uh, yeah, let's wait till the right. end. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. But yeah, but then you kind of see him like you like he just switches from like good Harry to bad bad Harry in like a second. Like yeah. He's all nice and calm, and then he just he, he grabs his wife by the throat, yeah. like, and then he calms down, and then he kisses her, and then he walks away. Just like what is going what is going on with him? He's like, well, the reason why why he's sweating is causing part of that too. But yeah, but you can tell he's just not in the right mind at all. Yeah. And then, uh, and then 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 next is another uh, the thing you brought up before where yeah he's the. Uh, Green Goblin just flying around Peter, and he's just just toying with him. He's not doing anything, and yeah, that line you said where he's like, "Oh, there's no laws against yeah. running around in pajamas." Yeah. And then after that, he goes to the Daily Bugle, and he basically threatens Jameson to put out like a an ad or whatever for the with the Norman Osborn Foundation. Yeah. He's starting up, and that plays into plays into the end and then they have another confrontation with Harry and Spider-Man yeah, yeah another fight yeah mm-hmm. uh, ending an, ending with uh, Spider-Man literally shouting no <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I do like and there's another thing just another thing where you see where Harry's to- toying with him where he's like uh when you say I'll make your life miserable but it'll be when you least expect yeah. it could be tomorrow in a year or five years but I'm going to kill you yeah. like that that's that would really mess up a person's mind. Oh, that yeah. Somebody could really destroy your life, Mind- and you will never know when it happens. Exactly. Mind games. Yeah. And then we see the uh, the Norman Osborn uh, Foundation building. We see him getting stuff up. And while, I guess, that night, Harry is having a conversation with the portrait of his dad. His dad, yep. Normal. And it's... <laughs> well, I think it's actually a good... Uh, it's a, I think it's actually a good monologue where, like, he's saying... Oh, like, yeah, well, it is, yeah. Because, uh... Well, I guess, I guess Norman was never really satisfied with how Harry was. Mm-hmm. And now he's finally... Basically telling everything that he's done. I think that, like, his dad would finally be proud of him. Yeah. Because he's basically... He's, he's doing what his father would have done to Spider-Man. Yeah. So yeah. I, think, I think that's a really good monologue. And there's also that, obviously, the underlying thing of wanting to be um, validated by his dad as well. Right. Yeah. Like that yearning for this for the for the son to, yeah, he wants he wants his son he's want he wants Norman to basically you know basically say look I'm proud of you that sort of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, then uh, well, Mary Jane shows up at that building where uh, Harry and his son Normie are at. I guess to kind of talk again, like to kind of talk him down and be like, "Well, look, we like we all love you. Like we're willing to help you. Just let you help us." Mm. And as that happens, well, first Harry's like, "No, because I'm like I'll, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna change. I'm always gonna be the Green Goblin." And then as that happens, Spider Man shows up, and then Harry flips out. He's like, "You want me to stop mm. doing this?" But he, but 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 he won't let it go. Yeah, which is a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
And then finally, uh, Spider-Man and, uh, and Green Goblin, they duke it out. And it's a pretty good fight between the two of them. It is a pretty good fight, except uh, I had one little issue with that, that you know, that kind of killer blow by the, the Green Goblin. If you know the, the spike from the glove. Um, oh, okay. But I actually, no, actually, in hindsight, because I thought, you know, Spider-Man is quite fast and agile. Um, but I guess the Green Goblin's got the, the Goblin Serum. So I guess his reflexes are just as as quick, right, as Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at that moment, because when you look at it, it's in the middle of Spider-Man. He's kicking. It's not like yeah. he got, like he like he was kicking towards him. So I think like yeah, he could Kara's going to block him, and he stuck him with. I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyway, so like when he gets stuck with that thing, I guess he becomes like paralyzed. Yeah. Or at least semi-paralyzed, and then uh, Harry's just like. We're, you know, we're both going down. Yeah. So he sets off a bomb he has in there. And at that and at that moment, he forget, he realizes that both Mary Jane and his son mm. are still in there. Yeah. And Spider-Man's like, I'm fine with you killing me, but don't let them die. Yeah. True hero. So Harry yeah. whisks. Yep. He whisks out and he saves, uh, he saves Mary Jane and his son. Mm-hmm. And 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 as you can see here, also Harry's still sweating profusely mm-hmm. during this this whole thing. And so when he gets them outside, Mary Jane is still like, "You, you, you but my husband is still in there. You're gonna let him die too?" Mm. And then Harry's conflicted. He's like, "Yes, no, I don't know, I don't know." <laughs> but then he, but then he does end up going to his last heroic act, just coming out, saving Spider Man as the building explodes. Well, you see, that was really. That was really unex, you know. I don't know. It, to me, it was really unexpected because, um, in a way, I ex- I was expecting. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I was expecting Spider-Man to be in that building and Harry to go and stuff it, and the building explodes. Obviously, Spider-Man not dead, but him. I, I thought that would have set up for the next issue about him under, under the rubble or something. But actually, I didn't expect. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't expect uh, Harry to, to go in there and get him. I don't know. I mean, you could flip it and say, look, it is a very, it is a tropey thing. Like, you know, he does redeem himself by saving Spider-Man, but I literally did not did not think that. I, uh, I think it's, I, I think it's cool because it's like, it's, it's showing that like, even despite all the shit that goes on between them, mm. they're still friends and he would still do kind of anything for each other. Well, yeah, exactly, and that's such a good thing because um, you know it's just like friends in life in general. Uh, you could have the closest friends, you know, growing up. You may not, you know, as you get older, and I certainly find this as well. You may not see your good friends for a long amount of time, but you still have that connection, you know. So you can right, you can pick, yeah. you can pick it up months later, and it just be like you know you'd seen them the day before. And that strength of friendship, I think, is what comes across here, and it's really great to see that. Yeah, because there is such a history with these characters, not just Harry and Peter, but the whole troop of them. You know, Liz and... and it was Liz part of it? But uh, MJ and Gwen Stacy... Um, um, maybe Liz wasn't. No. She she was she was around. I think she was, like, an early... Like, one of like, the first, like, love interests of... Uh, Peter um, Parker, I think. Yeah, like okay. she's in the first issue. She's in Amazing Fantasy, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Amazing Fantasy fifteen, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so she's been around since the beginning. Yeah, I mean, so they have all this this strong connection. Um, these days, I don't know if you're collecting Spider Man at the moment, Josh, but um, is Harry with? Is that with Betty? Is it? Is it with Liz or who's he with at the uh, moment? 
I actually, I only really just picked up the recent issues because of uh, Amazing Spider-Man number eight hundred. Yeah, I just picked that up. Okay. Um, they're not together. I don't think okay. they have. Um, I guess they're divorced because he's going by the last name of Lyman. Yes, that's right. He wants to forget so, his whole. Um, yeah, he, you know, like the whole Osborne yes. legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, interesting. Yeah, so these are these are really these are legacy characters. Like you know, just saying, Liz and MJ. There's such a history to them. So yeah, it it is satisfying to actually see that all that kind of counts for something. You know, even though they're having such such arguments, basically they're just like little tiffs, aren't they? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, having a bit of a spat. But yeah, like you see, there's there's images here of. Um, uh, so when Harry gets put in the ambulance, Spider-Man, he's on his knees, his head's bowed, he's obviously caring for Harry, um, and Harry obviously had saved his life as well. Uh, and, and to finish off, you see Peter's um, head in his hands as Spider-Man, and then a photo of Harry and Peter in their younger days. So um, very kind of, very kind of tugs at the emotions, um, this, and... And J.M. DeMatteis, uh, I found this was a very different issue to his Scarlet Redemption, Moon Knight Run, which is very good in its own right as well. But uh, to me... A, oh, yeah. Yeah, to me, a lot more um, surreal, and I don't know how to describe it. I, I think it's much to do with Stained Glass Scarlet, um, but also his writing. It was very kind of... Well, what would you call it? Ethereal or something? I don't know if that's a word... But yeah, um, this was a very well-told story. Um, and again, Josh, why did you pick this one as one of your top fours? Um, well, first off, I'll address the Super 90s cover. Yeah. If you're, if you're reading it digitally, you're missing out on this uh, this foil uh, this foil masterpiece. Oh, right it's a foil. Okay, right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, but... Um, yeah, I think it's just it's just, just an emotional issue, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's another culmination of like this relationship that's been going on for well, it's happened since the '60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good it's it's a good culmination of that, and it's just yeah, I, th- I think it's just just really the emotional. It's good action too. I like there's that yep. bit where they're really wailing on each other. Mm-hmm. And they, Right before like the end of the fight, they just they just take turns just taking blows at each other. Yep, it's um as you say, it's a good balance, right, of uh, of drama and action, uh, and exactly as you say, there's some good action scenes. Um, there's a lot of of writing in it, and I mean this in a good way as well. Like if you look at maybe modern comics today compared to this issue, and you look at the amount of writing that Demetrius has added into this, like with even thought bubbles and conversation pieces. Like the text kind of fills the page, right? Um, but yeah. in in no way does that I, I think detracts from it because it doesn't um, it doesn't just describe the story. You know, there's still a lot of room here for Sal Bashema to to spread his wings and show his action and and depict a lot of facial expressions as well. Uh, what he does really well, I think, is ex- is facial expressions, and they're very subtle. Oh yeah, yeah, very subtle, but they really do convey a lot. So, Bashima does that really good. Um, Dimitas has a lot of text here to actually draw you in. And from that, it's a very substantial read. So, I can understand, Josh, why you'd want to take this to Isla Ra. Because it is a good read. You're not going to burn through this in, like, three minutes. You are gonna you can sit back. You can savour these pages. It's really good. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do. I am the fan of, of this, this art as well. Um, uh... Yeah, it, it's very stylized, um, but yeah, I think it has a, 
a, a good amount of drama in it, which really makes it compelling. Josh, any other pointers for this issue? Um, I think just real quick, um, I guess for anyone who's listening, so, yeah, so basically Harry dies, and the reason that he dies is he injected a, uh, like, I guess another version of the Goblin formula, oh. but it wasn't right, so it was shutting his system down, and that's why he was sweating throughout the entire issue. Ah, right. And that's why, and that's why. It's not, it's not like in Spider-Man 3 where he jumps in the way of a glider, which he could have just... <laughs> push peter out of the way and knock on himself and pale like i think this is a way better death <laughs> yeah yeah right okay i didn't know that that's uh what happened to him i mean of course obviously in comics death is a uh, is a malleable thing but uh yeah that it doesn't take away from the impact of um of the of the lead up into into harry's death here which is really cool yeah yeah this is another thing i was ruined by one more day because then he was brought back ah right yes okay yeah yeah, yeah, but uh, really good, really good choice here, Josh. Um, thank you so much for that. So the two honourable mentions, right. Invincible Iron Man 200 and Spectacular Spider-Man 200. Go check them out. Um, I got my copies from Comicsology, so they are available there. Um, I'd imagine they're available on Marvel Unlimited as well. Um, if you are an Iron Man or Spider-Man fan, I'm sure you can track them down on floppies or... Um, are you aware of uh, potentially the trades that they're in, Josh? I'm not sure. Um, or do you just have the? I'm you, not sure. you just have the. Single I have floppies. the floppies. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm pretty sure they might be potentially in an epic collection. Um, so just check out your epic collections or your complete collections for that. Um, fantastic. All right, Josh. We are down to our final two, and I think before that, uh, let me just pull out my um. My mobile phone here. I'm going to give Frenchie a call, okay? Uh, I think right. uh, we've got two more here, and um, hang on, let me just let me just give him a call here. Hello, yeah, Frenchie. Hi, yeah, yeah, it's me, it's me, Ray. Yeah, yeah, going okay. Yeah, yeah, good. I've got a uh, special guest here, Josh. Um, yeah, he's doing the Isla Ra thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah, I, I know. Look, I'll, I'll have to pay you back. Uh, I owe you one. I know um, you've been choppering around a lot, but would you please be able to uh, whisk us away to our next destination? We've got two more books to, to review. All right. Now, thank you very much, Frenchie. You are a legend. Um, look, Josh and I will uh, will be sure to bring a large group to your to your restaurant with you and Rob, so uh, you can earn more more moolah. We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll book a banquet. How's that? Jeez. All right, Josh. Um, have you got have you got your backpack or stuff ready? Uh, are we ready to jump into the moon copter? Oh yeah, I got. Backpack on my bug spray. I'm all set. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, uh, let's head out and uh, we'll just jump in the copter and we'll go to our next destination. All right. Hi, this is Phil Parrish from the Caves and Lunatics podcast, a proud member of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. All 
Alright, welcome back loonies. I am here with Josh, a fellow loony, and we are doing our Isla Ra books, or Josh's Isla Ra books. We're on our last two here. Um, we are in the mooncopter. Josh, are you okay there? You're strapped in? You don't want to fall out? Yep, I'm, I'm all good. Okay, excellent. Alright, well Frenchie has given us the go, go ahead. <laughs> um, and uh, let me just uh, open this door. Okay, Josh, so uh, all we got to do, you've got your, your parachute. I just want you to you jump down there, you know, with a big X. Uh, and I'll see you down there for our next book. All right. <laughs> all right, catch up. Geronimo. Geronimo. Alright, oh, hi Josh. Uh, you see that superhero? You see that superhero landing? <laughs> Josh, oh. you, I think I, I'll give you 10 points for that landing there. Josh did it absolutely perfect. And landed on the X just spot on. Yeah, I ended up in the bushes over there. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, we've got, he's got his rucksack. I've got my, uh, I've got my sack of goodies here as well. Um, we've just bunkered down here in one of these bunkers here. Uh, and we are in the um, the jungles of Vietnam, Josh. How's that? Oh, it's I'm already sweating already. It's super hot here. <laughs> super hot. Uh, I thought this would be apt. Uh, Frenchie was happy to get rid of us. Uh, and so he took us all the way to Vietnam. And we are here uh, in the jungles. Um, luckily, we're using one of the old bunkers that they had in the, uh, the, Viet the Vietnam War. Uh, and we're going to review your other book here, Josh. Um, this is a this is a new one for me, uh, and this is the Nam, which is a Marvel publication. Uh, so, for any loonies out there who don't know about Nam, it was I'm assuming all about um, the Vietnam War. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can give. Uh, it's actually an interesting run. So, yeah, um, yeah, please. What they it was actually it was written by. Uh, what's his name? I think Doug Murray. I think was it. Yeah, Doug Murray Doug was Murray. the guy who wrote it, and he um he served in the Vietnam War. Right. So he's so he has real life experience. And how how this this uh, this title works is each issue like takes place a month between the next one. So the first right. one must have been like January of like nineteen sixty six or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then so the, so that takes place. In January, then the next issues takes place in Mar in February, and so on and so forth. And so after, because I guess, uh, like your term of service was a year. After a year, you'd get new characters. Mm -hmm. So the old ones would be cycled cycled out. So like one of the characters in here was the main character for the first twelve issues. Okay, and then he went back home, and then he got a kind of a new set of. Are they like these characters are ones that like came in like during his service so we're keeping up with them and then we get new ones wow and i'm not sure if i'm not sure if it stayed that way yeah um but at least for like the first couple of years that's what it was and then like the and then in each like each issue starts out with a date so like this issue takes place in april 1967 so the next so the next one would take place in may okay which i think is actually really cool it is very cool. I, I like how they've kind of structured it. It's um, it's really good. Interesting. Um, before we get into it in depth, um, Josh, 
Why um, why the NAM? Were you a big fan of the whole series in general, or was there some connection with the military for you? Or um, I'm just I'm a real historical guy. I like mm-hmm. learning about all that kind of stuff, and I think. Uh, well, I, the first issue I got was action number 12. I got another one of those random packs. And I ran out like, oh, this is cool. And then I just picked up random issues and I picked up this one. But I think it's just, it's an interesting time period. Yeah. And a very controversial time period. Yeah, it is. Um, and and uh, it's shown in this issue. This, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's, we'll get to it, but that's exactly why I really love this issue. Yeah. yeah. And so. So I think that's why. I think it's it's also something different. It's not superhero-ish. Yep. Because, like, war comics were really big back in, like, the like the 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, war comics were big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is, like, one of the first ones that kind of revitalizes in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of, kind of plateaued a little. And then I guess you could argue the fact that the likes of Garth Ennis has kind of brought that back. I mean, um, he, he does like his war comics as well. I know he recently um, released that limited edition, uh, limited issue series with um, the Punisher. I think it was Punisher Platoon. I think. I can't oh remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really, just heavily into the into like war and military jargon, and just you know the intricacies of it. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely a niche for it. Um, but what, what I always understood, like you know, growing up in the '90s and looking and seeing the Nam on the shelf, was that yeah. Um, this was like the only really military comic that I saw from Marvel that, um, you know, that really struck me. Yeah, they, they, they did have another one called Semper Fi, which is mm, okay. for the Marines. I think that was a combination of World War Two and Vietnam. Oh, right. But I don't, that didn't last as long. But this lasted like 80 issues, so it was a long run. Yeah. Longer than any, longer than any Moon Knight run. Yeah, yeah, for which sure. Is funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it'd be interesting as well if it, if it will come back in, in some sort of, um, different guise, you know? Um, because it depends on how, how good the Punisher Platoon, um, miniseries goes as well, but, um, uh, I found this really compelling. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really one to go into war comics or anything like that, um, I do like my history a little bit, but um, not enough for me to kind of pick something off the shelf. But when you when you came to me, Josh, and, and said, you know, let's look at um, issue was it issue fifteen issue um, yep issue fifteen. Uh, I found this a really again a really nice issue that you picked that kind of can stand alone. I mean, there are overlapping, obviously overlapping, um, uh, you know, points to it. You know, with characters and such, as you mentioned earlier. But uh, right. it didn't. It didn't detract for me the whole story. Like I, I got the gist of the whole story from it. So uh, let, let's dive right into it, Josh. Um, again, do you want to um, do you want to give us the credits for this? Sure. All right. So uh, so the nom notes from the world. Uh, Doug Murray is the writer. Mm-hmm. Wayne Van Sant is the the uh, penciler. Mm-hmm. Jeff Isherwood is the inker. Awesome. Augustin Mass Letters, Phil Felix, colorist, Pat Redding, managing editor, and Larry Hamm, a consulting editor. I didn't know there. I didn't know those were two titles. Mm. Yeah, there's <laughs> and, uh, Tom, yeah. I never heard of those before. No. <laughs> uh, Tom DeFalco, editor in chief. Michael Rockowitz, assistant editor, and Michael Higgins, editor. Yeah. So, um. How do you want to tackle this, Josh? This would be really cool. Uh, I don't know if you had anything prepared. Do you have anything prepared, or 
Um, no, not not really. Are you sure? No, okay. If you're not, um, because well, sorry. The, I think the the thing with like with the the last ones, they're not very dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. They're they're more issues. So I think I don't know if you're kind of good with this going the way we kind of did the other two. Yeah. That's, okay with you because there's not really much to go into detail really okay sure yeah yeah yeah. no let's um let's do it as a yeah of course uh, overarching um thing so uh do do you want to do you want to summarize or i can i can do it whatever either way or um it it doesn't matter if you want to go take a crack go for it uh no no look there there are your issues let's uh i'll I'll hear it from uh hear from you that'll be good okay yeah all right all right, so it opens up. Basically, you have uh, two characters. Uh, one is Rob, and I forget what the other guy's name is. At. Uh, uh, Andy. Oh, Andy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they are the uh, so they're just in this bunker, and there's just there's some mortars going on around them, and they're just they're uh, they're just chatting. Yeah, and uh, basically, their their uh, their sergeant comes up and basically gives them. Uh, Gives them their their mail and is just like filling them filling them in on what's going on mm-hmm. and saying like they'll get their food in a bit. And so Rob opens up a letter and it's from a guy named Ed Marks. Now he was the main character of the first like twelve issues. Yeah. Can, can I so, can, can I just ask? Sorry, interrupt you there, Josh. Do, yeah. do we know what uh, eventually happens to Ed Marks? Like, um. um I haven't read that far ahead. I've okay. read because he's he's I think the farthest I've read so far is like issue thirty five, uh-huh. and he's still and he's uh, still alive. He's, yeah. he's still yeah he's he's still at home. He doesn't come back. Okay, but I think he's he's doing um he's doing like journalism. I think okay. on it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that, so that's what he's doing right now. Okay, uh, or uh, right now is in like the farthest that I've read so far. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay, but anyway, so yeah, so he wrote a letter to his his friends in his company back home, mm-hmm. and most of this issue is, is told basically in letter form. Yeah. So, so it's mostly mostly just just captions, and then the uh, and then the the pictures. So that's why I said before it's not a very dialogue heavy heavy uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it starts off. Then the, the Rob starts le- reading the letter, <laughs> and it is. Uh, it is uh, Eddie. He is uh, he's become basically a drill instructor for new recruits at uh, base back home, mm-hmm. and but he basically recounts from the time that he got home up until the time he's writing the letter. And this is the part like this is the part where it really starts to put things into perspective for me for about these guys coming home yeah. from this war. They come home and he even says. I get off the plane and there's nobody there to greet us. Yeah, I, just, it's just an empty airport. Yeah, I, I was actually gonna um, when I was reading this as well. Actually, that was the lesser of two evils for me. I, I thought when they were going to walk off the plane, there were going to be protests straight away. But but I mean, it still ha- oh. it still has the same kind of you know impact because there's no one there. You know, there's a big welcome home, but there's no one there. But yeah, I was expecting like there to be um, you know picket signs and everything. Uh, yeah, which it kind of sets the tone for this, doesn't it? Oh yeah, well that, that would have been even worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so when they go through, 
they get off the plane, they go through the lobby, and like their luggage is getting checked, I guess, for drugs because this mm-hmm. is in the '60s and yeah. everyone was on drugs back then. But uh, but he's just saying how just uh, even like the like the MPs, the military police, they're just throwing their crap around, and like there's there, there's just no respect for these guys who just came back from this horrible place and they're just being treated like crap. It's just Ins- it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, the insensitivity is just terrible. Like you know. And then yeah, then he, uh, then Eddie yeah, he eventually gets he gets discharged, and then he ends up get, going back, going back home to see his parents. Mm-hmm. Very normal. See him running. Yeah, very normal looking parents. Yeah. But I do like how when you see him in, like in this airport, and where he's getting like his, he's at the bank getting like his um, like his pay from for yeah. his service, and everyone just giving him dirty looks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. I will say one thing just right about right now. Like I don't know, I don't know how good because I'm reading this in physical form, but like the artwork on this is very maybe it's just my copy is just is just aged, but like the art right. is just very shoddy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but but I think it's I think it's you know I, I think with like a warped kind of story, I think it needs to be, mm-hmm. but it's not very detailed. But like when I say you can see people giving dirty looks, like they have like that uh, like that stick figure like. Uh, like evil eyebrow. That's yeah. what most of those people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, there, it's just, I just want to point out. There are some. There are some instances, like even early on, where you um, uh, just want to touch up, touch on it quickly, like near the beginning with um, with them. Uh, what's his name? Sorry, with Andy and the other, and Rob looking at the letter. Uh, there's some really nice, um, elegant bits of artwork here. You know, just showing off the really the. Um, the clothing, uh, if anything, if anything that I can I can take away from it, because there's no real musculature needed. You know, they, we're not in a superhero comic or anything like that. So everything's very realistic, and uh, so you get yeah. you get the marine um, uniforms and you know just the folds, which I know is very hard to draw, um, is is very very well done. But you're right, there's a little inconsistency because every now and again it looks like panels which are almost rushed. You know, I don't know whether they rushed or ran out of time, but um, a little inconsistencies with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, l- luckily, my my I judge my books by the story, not by their. Oh, of course, usually. no. I know yeah. we, we're talking about what I know. You guys have talked about like the like the early '90s art and how people like they're like the superstar <laughs> artists. Like I don't. I look at that art. I'm like, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll judge it by the story. I won't judge it. Yeah. By the art. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. All right, but all right. So back to this. So yeah, so he goes home to his parents' house, mm-hmm. and uh, so he's sitting there and he's and he's watching TV and he sees he sees all these protests mm. that are going on. Yeah, and it's uh, and like this one specifically about like don't use na- na- uh, napalm and stuff like that. And he even mm-hmm. has the the uh, like the thought like they're they're protesting as napalm, but how many times have do we use napalm to save our to, like, to save our butts? Yeah. And that's a really good perspective to, to show because obviously napalm is a dirty word um, that we do know, but it's it's funny here that uh, it's kind of turned on its head and it's from his perspective and his his perspective is rightly so as well because he was in a life-death situation. So to him, napalm is a saviour, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, very, very interesting to call that out. And even he's trying to explain to his parents about... A- about that very that very subject, mm-hmm. and they're, even his parents aren't even having it, mm. and he and he's pretty much just 
not fitting in, but he just tries different things. Like he goes back to visit old friends. Yeah. And he even says, uh, but either they had changed or I have. And he, you can tell he's just uncomfortable and he's just, he's, he's just, the totally, he's out of place. Yeah. A fish out of water. Totally. Yeah. And it's, and I think that's good. Cause I think obviously war can change a person. Mm, and yes. I think that's a very good, a very good, uh, showing of that. Yep. And he even goes back to visit his old girlfriend, but he find, finds out that oh, yeah, she has obviously, obviously moved on. Wait, rightly so, fair a, enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But that's still, uh, it's still crushing for him. Yeah, it is. All right. And then, yeah, then he's basically, he's just seeing just more stuff on the news about it. And it's all, I guess that also shows the, like, the real world... Like how like the media handled the war yep. in the real world. Yep. That's, that's just... So he's he's seeing all that. Shocking to him because you know he's talking. There's one the panel at the bottom. Uh, you know they had some report on about Charlie shelling some Marines at De, uh, Da Nang. Uh, you think the whole core was wiped out, uh, and then they showed some yacht, the Phoenix, taking supplies to Charlie, and they were smiling about it. So it is is totally kind of thrown Ed Marks, you know. Yeah, just the, it's just it's just yeah, it's just the real war thing of like how the media portrays war to how to how it actually is. You can see that today, mm, yeah, stuff that goes on like the Middle East and everything. Yeah. So I think that's one thing about this. I like how like this, like the themes and like the like and, like how it gives you perspective. Not only does it apply to back then, it still kind of even applies to right now mm. too. So yeah, because that's that stuff still goes on. Right. But anyway, so Eddie, he basically he. His leave is over, and he heads back to the. Uh, I guess he's going to the the base where he's going to be uh, training new recruits. Yeah, actually, sorry, can I just interrupt you again there, Josh? Um, this has just reminded sure. me of it. How like how have you watched uh, the Netflix Punisher um, show as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. How good is it then as well? Like they do encapsulate exactly this sort of thing, you know, about soldiers trying to fit back into society. And uh, this has just reminded me of the uh, that Netflix Punisher season, uh, a really good season. Loonies, if you haven't watched it, um, give it a go. It, it, did you like it? No, I I enjoy bits of it. Yeah, I, I would say I I I really enjoyed like, the first two episodes, yeah. and the like the middle like seven or eight was kind of a slog. Oh right, okay. But they, but but they did but you're, they did have good tones, like the stuff you're talking about. This mm. like the all like because. Because like all those guys in the support group, yeah, yeah, trying to trying to fit in, and then that one guy really, really goes off the deep end. Well, yeah, and and like which, yeah, he, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna which, which does happen to to soldiers in real life when they come back, like they're still really affected. Yeah, it was a re- like PTSD. Yeah, a real eye opener. How he like he, he dug a trench in his backyard and and all that and. Anyway, this is a. I got reminded of that when I was reading this a little as well about how Ed Marks is just not fitting in. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Okay, that's no, all right. Yeah. Uh, just to finish with the Punisher, um, I, I think I, like the last three episodes, I think were really stellar. Yeah. Oh god. So I think a strong start, strong end, <laughs> uh, wonky middle. But yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to season right. two, but um, I don't know if you've seen Jigsaw. Have you seen Jigsaw? 
Uh, I saw the, like there was like a still of him like with the bandages, but then I think there was one where he takes the bandages off, but he's like yeah. barely any scars on his face. Yeah, look, which is which is weird. It is weird. Uh, no spoilers. Look, I, I'm still hoping that um, there's some sort of post production done. But uh, yeah, actually, I should have we should have prefaced that with a spoiler. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All speculation. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Josh. All right, where are they at here? Okay, so anyway, so he reports to the the base where he's going to be training at, and uh, he's and he just milling around with the other instructors, mm-hmm. and uh, there is a there is a good shot where you could see. What does it say here? Um, again, where it shows another guy he's having problem adjusting to being on the home front. Yeah, much like what we were just talking about. Yeah, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Or, Josh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But uh, um, but yeah. Then it goes and it, he goes through and he's training all these new recruits. And I, I do even like how he says, well, some of them were just so young, mm. which is true. Yeah, because they were, some of them were getting drafted at like seventeen. Yeah. And uh, so then he goes through, and he and he he writes about this one particular soldier. His name was Lewin. Mm, that's right. And he's sort of like a, uh, not like this. He's he, he's not he's not catching on to everything. He's just he's just someone who's like not really built to be a soldier. Yeah. But they're doing his best, and he's trying his best. It's kind of like a like, kind of like a Steve Rogers, like an early Steve Rogers. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a good uh, comparison. Um, but anyway, so the answer is basically they, they he does end up lasting until the fourth week where they start practicing on the rifle range, and he the, this kid he just can't hit the target, and Eddie does his best to help him, but the uh, the other instructor who is like a you could tell like a, a Full Metal Jacket like real asshole of a drone instructor, <laughs> he comes over and he does his and uh, he he is yelling at him trying to get him to go and then. Uh, I still think this is funny, <laughs> where he's showing him how to shoot it, and the kid he never puts the safety on, yeah. and when he pulls the trigger, the gun goes up and hits the drill instructor right in the uh, yeah, right in the nads, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, I thought it was he, a lot serious than he, that, a lot more serious than that, but thankfully not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I guess is like a, it is kind of. It's, I guess it's just a little bit of humor they wanted to throw in there. I guess. Yeah. But uh, but he flips out, and unfortunately, this kid he gets he gets thrown out of the army for the good of the service. Do we see him? Do we see, him, do we see him again, Josh? Later on in issue thirty? Oh, up to issue thirty-five. Uh, Lewin. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. No. okay. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, but he gets basically he gets uh, he gets kicked out of the army for this. Mm. And again, this is and this is another really good, I guess, kind of like a social commentary moment. Like he even says here, like he wasn't happy to get out. He won the fight. He believed in what we were doing in Vietnam. Mm. And then the next caption is the whole country is burning their draft cards, and this kid wants to get it, wants yeah. to fight. I know, but he's not allowed to. Oh, the irony, isn't it? Is it's crazy. I know, right? I think I think that that's that's one of the things that really like cemented it to me. Like, there's so many like in real life, there's so many of these guys who didn't want to go over mm. there, right? Rightfully so. But then there are like this kid here yeah. wants to go over, 
but because he's not, but they're not going to allow him to. Yeah, like, I, I think. Yeah, it's. I think what this issue does really well is that it shows both sides of the coin really well, and in that sense, it it really does. Uh, it really does make an impact on you because it makes you think. I mean, we're talking about this about drafting, talking about like the use of napalm, talking about perspectives on the war, uh, and when you see both sides of it, it really does um, um, hit home. You know, just the complexities of yeah, it all. Yeah. As much as this is all like this is all stuff that happened or yeah, it could have happened. Like that's what makes it even puts it even more into perspective it, for you. And that's exactly that's why I really like this issue because like it puts everything into perspective. I knew a lot of what was going on then because I've read about it a lot, mm-hmm. but this really put it put it into perspective for me. Just all the crap that these guys had to go through. Yeah between going there and coming back it's just it would definitely hell for him that's crazy yeah and then uh, he basically he finishes up uh, writing a letter basically saying how he tra- uh, he trained the new recruits as best they can and that uh, basically he's kind of fed up with what the media is how, how they're portraying the war so he's going to uh, go back to college to pursue journalism mm-hmm. I guess war journalism yeah and uh and then shit gets and that's basically what yeah sorry go ahead i was about to say and that's when shit that's when shit gets real like when we go back to rob and andy uh oh right yeah yeah so the in the so uh in the middle or basically right towards the end of reading it then the uh then the the Viet Cong show up and then there's a big firefight yeah what i do like about what they do in these issues which when i first read them it really threw me off but now I got accustomed to it. Yeah. If you notice, there are no onomatopoeias. Okay. Yeah, you're right. For any of like, and I think that's a really good touch because if they're trying to portray this as realistic, yeah, there's not going to be a rat a tat a tat a tat a kaboom going. It's just it's you just see what happens. That's quite thoughtful. You just see what's happening. Yeah, it is. It's very cool. Yeah. And uh, so basically, they end up yeah they do end up taking out the enemy. Uh, both what's it, Rob and Andy? They end up. Take out, and then they, their bunker basically explodes. Yeah, hopefully it won't happen to ours that we're sitting. Yeah, in. I'm just I'm just having a I'm just having a look over the over the uh, edge there. No, I think we're clear there, Josh. <laughs> so, so we're all right. <laughs> yeah. If you hear a loud whistle, duck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, luckily, luckily we're almost out of this. Yeah. All right. But anyways, so yes, yeah, so their, their bunker caves in, and uh, there's one enemy left, and their sergeant uh, comes and he. And he kills the guy. Mm. And he saves him. Yeah, it's um, it's quite, it's quite shocking. Uh, again, I guess um, similar. Not really similar, but I was thinking like I'm trying to tie it back into the invincible, invincible Iron Man that we're just talking about. But all of a sudden, towards the end of this issue, uh, as I mentioned, it, it gets very real, and there's a certain complacency. While you, re- while I, while I read at least the issue. Um, in in letter format of retelling from Ed Marks, there was a certain complacency of okay, this is what's happening. You kind of get comfortable, and then you're kind of reminded that okay, we're actually in the bunker here with Rob and Andy, and actually they're not just training. I actually thought for a while, are they just doing training routines or whatever? But they're not, and um, they're actually brought face to face with the real deal. And when the Viet Cong come in, and there's a firefight, and then what really clinched it was when their bunker 
um, gets hit by that mortar shell or, or, or the, the repercussions of the mortar shell and it kind of um, uh, collapses. And it got gets really serious. Yeah, and, and for, for a second there, I was thinking, oh, shit, I was like, you know... I was reading it absolutely transfixed, going, "Oh God, what's what's going, what's happening?" Um, and I found that a very good, a very powerful effect from them. And even then, even after they're kind of surviving that um, the collapse of the bunker, you get the Viet Cong coming up, and um, Andy has to shoot the guy just behind Rob. So it's all you know, nothing is uh, censored or anything. Like we're, we're brought full full force into what it is to be in a war. Um, right. Yeah. I do think it, I do think it's also, it's, it's, it's like in, in comics, most of the comics you read, their superheroes is like, there's just no killing rule. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple ones that get away with it. Mm. But like in this book, like your characters that you like also kill, but it's also because it's, well, that's their that's their duty. What's that's a, what they're supposed to well, do. And it's a necessity, is it? I'll kill or be killed. Really? Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 quite powerful stuff towards the end there. But um, what resonates mainly is that the whole retelling of Ed Marks in this, um, and it's a great insight into you know potentially what we have to consider, you know, during war and, and especially during the Vietnam War as well. Uh, and and I found this a really actually a very good issue to to choose, Josh, because um, you know not being one to have read any of the NAM or to be inclined towards um, war comics at all. To me, this issue encapsulated it all, really, in a nutshell. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, any other any other points here that you want to raise of, uh, of this issue? Um, I think we kind of touched on it. Like I said, yeah. I think it just... I think like why, like why I would choose this one as one of my island books. It's yep. like I said, I think it's just because it's very historical. Like I'm into history, mm-hmm. and yeah, just the, the just, just the perspective that it gives to these poor guys who went through hell over there, and then also mm. hell on the home front. I think it's just I'm I'm kind of it's just, it's just yeah. Oh, I was just about to say I'm kind of curious as to so you've read a lot of the other issues. I'm kind of curious as to what the other issues will be like because to me this really encapsulates the essence of i guess what i understand the nam issue the the nam comic series to be like to really show both sides of things and to show you, you know how media affects the war and 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 uh, how there's always two sides to the story um how, how do they do it in the other issues? Like, uh, 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 do they uh, do they just go into singular soldier tales or, or what? Or that that that's pretty much what it is. Because, yeah. like I said, because each because each like issue is basically takes place a month after the previous one. Mm. So there's not like any like overarching story. I think I think there's a couple. I I've only read about maybe I have like the first like twelve issues. I think. Mm-hmm. And then this one, a couple in like the thirties and and forties. Okay. Um. But I haven't. Some of them I haven't read yet. But they, I think there's a couple other ones that tackle stuff on the home front. But they're pretty much all just singular, just one shot stories. Yeah. But but they do sometimes they do tackle like heavy moments. Like I think there's an issue uh, in issue eight. There's a moment where Eddie goes in. Uh, if you know, do you know what uh, like the tunnel rats were? Yes. Back then? Yeah, the very small okay, tunnels. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, what they would do was like there would be like these these tunnels where the Viet Cong would go through, 
and they would send these like these young kids. They would, they were called tunnel rats. Mm-hmm. They would go down in there and clear them out and make sure that there's no one nothing in there. Then they would blow them up. Mm-hmm. And Eddie goes down with one of them, and there's this kid who's been like he's been done this a thousand times mm-hmm. and he's fine but then this one instance that like the tunnel that they go into is cover is crawling with rats and he basically gets he gets overwhelmed by by rats mm. and he all of a sudden he is completely terrified of any sort of darkness oh wow and, like he's like he go, he goes insane and he like he like as soon as he comes out of, out of the hole he starts shooting his comrades because he's just gone nuts, oh, just wow. in, just with a snap of a finger. And then the very end is they go to put him on a plane to send him back home. Yeah. And because of like where the sun is at, it just looks like a big tunnel because it's all oh, dark. Wow. And he's like flip, he's flipping out. Like oh. so they, they do dive in. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but there's so they do tackle some heavy stuff. Jeez. But yeah, but, I- so some some other ones. Go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, uh, so, I mean, obviously, to sustain about 80 issues, there, there must be a plethora of, of, of story material to do. Um, it just it just has really got me curious as to what other stories they can tell. Um, because judging from this one issue, it was quite, um, quite satisfying, I must say, quite compelling, I thought. Yeah, they're good. I would, I would say check, check them out. Yeah. So, um, and also, Josh, um, again, what would you rate this? Um, I, I know. Look, I know um, our previous Isla Ra guests have said, well, you know, where well, they're all good. I've, I've picked them as a top four, so they're obviously the best, right? Um, but okay, so how would they be? How would this be relative to, say, um, your Iron Man and your Spectacular Spider Man? What would this rate? Um, I. I'd probably give this one a four. Also, I think yep. the only blemish I would say just just the art because like sometimes the art is kind of shoddy. Okay, yeah, yeah. But like everything story wise though, yep. is like is great. It just just like, like you said, the art is just a bit inconsistent mm. here and there. Yeah, and so and so, some panels just aren't just yeah, like you said, like look rushed. Yeah, and. But that, that's really the only blemish I would give it, just just the art. Everything else is awesome. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you as well. I think the storytelling here and, and the writing was really good. Um, Doug Murray, uh, fantastic. And, yeah, absolutely agree. The art, um, there are some inconsistencies. I'm looking at one uh, panel now uh, towards the end about one of the gentlemen, the younger infantry that has had that nightmare, uh, beautifully rendered face of him sweating and kind of gog-eyed. Um, but then you, you, you kind of like contrast that with a couple of the other earlier panels where they seem, as you say, stick figures with, you know, uh, a couple of lines here. So I, I yeah. definitely think there might be time time frame issues. Um, but yeah, yeah, I totally agree with both of what you say there. That's um, that's really good. Uh, okay, so Looney's, um, that was the, the NAM again. Uh, you have, do you have floppies of this, Josh? Oh yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. All, all my copies are floppy. Okay, so available in floppies. Um, still, I guess if you if you check your long boxes in some uh, local comedy book stores, otherwise, um, I'm sure <laughs> I haven't done my research. I'm sure it might be in Marvel Unlimited or Comicsology. Uh, I happen to come across mine, um, you know, somewhere else. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. yeah they're on Marvel Unlimited. Okay. Uh, yeah, on Marvel Unlimited. Okay, but and you can find them in dollar you can find them in dollar bins too. That's where I got most of mine from. Oh right, okay. Well, yeah, because I'm assuming you know apart from these these don't contain any stellar A list mutants or um 
or you know uh, a list Avengers or anything like that. So I don't see them. There's one. Yeah. There's one. There's one issue where the Avengers do make an appearance. Really? Wow. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I don't have it, but I think it's like issue like forty one. That's pretty. And uh, the the cover the cover is just like the Avengers, uh, like the Avengers come to the Nam or something like that. But I, I haven't read it, so I don't know what the story is about. But that's, that's like the only. Yeah. The only thing that cements it in the Marvel universe, but other than, or then the, the Punisher does show up late. Oh but yeah, that makes sense because he was in Vietnam. Yeah, like that would be the most obvious connection, I'd say. But um, it's pretty cool to think that you see you see an Avengers connection. Um, just to, as you say, tied into the Marvel universe, that'll be pretty satisfying, you know, to see them. Um, but yeah, so Looney's check it out. Um, look, I would recommend it. This is this is one of Josh's um, favorite books. Um. I would give it a, a definite a definite endorsement. It's um it was a cracking read, uh and go check it out where you can. All right, loonies. <laughs> All right, loonies. We are um up to our last issue now of Josh's um Isla Ra books, and I must say that I am incredibly jealous that Josh has chosen this, uh, and it has beaten me to the punch. We have here as his final. A Warren Ellis issue of Moon Knight, issue five. Uh, this was a fantastic, a fantastic, and and look, if anyone is on the uh, Facebook posts, you would know that um, that I just absolutely love this issue. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Josh, for picking this. This is fantastic. Um, and before we get into this, um, I think we better get out of this bunker, Josh. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm starting to sweat like crazy here. I could use uh, some air conditioning and a certain white uh, limo. Okay, so uh, we have this awesome issue to um, to review, but we can't do it with this bunker. Look, we are thousands of kilometers and miles away from anywhere, so I'm going to call on our good man, K-Man. K-Man, are you there? Who disturbs the great conscience? Oh, why? Not you again. What do you want? Hello, K-Man. You know, I'm starting to feel like I am a god. Ignored most of the time, but then, when someone wants something, they believe in you. Oh, thank you so much, Conchu. Look, you know, Josh and I, we worship you. Well, you know, I don't see a basket of flowers. Or a virginal sacrifice. I mean, come on. Josh, Josh, can you please bow your head, bow your head. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, Josh, Josh, uh, we worship you both. Josh reveres you. Well, that's Me too. Look, just got to ask you another favour. It's okay. We are here in Vietnam. We need to get somewhere else to do our final review. Um, Josh has chosen Warren Ellis. Oh, I do like his run with Declan Shelby. Yes, yeah, he's a favourite of yours too. Yep, he's fantastic. Um, we need to go somewhere snazzy, you know, somewhere classy where we can actually review this. Well, I guess then you want me to take you where your heart most desires. Could you please help us out? Oh, I guess I could. You owe me a solid though, Ray. Okay, go now. Be on your way. Alrighty. Okay, Josh, have you got your backpack? Are you all set? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, Conchie, thank you very much. Uh, you know, under Conchie's eye, under Conchie's eye. Praise be to me. And uh, regards to Connor and Rebecca. Okay, Josh, hold on. We're going to be teleported. All right. 
Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Hello, we are back, loonies, and um, hi Josh, look where we are at. We are in a limousine, a la di da di da Living the life, Fandango, um, no longer in the bunker, no longer having to parachute. Uh, look, ooh, we got some... We got some uh, some booze here. That's pretty cool. Josh, are you all right? Do you want some more moonshine or? Uh, yeah, we're in the moonmobile. <laughs> okay. Luckily, Samuel's is <laughs> stacked. Up. Okay, here we can let me make um. There you go, Josh. Let me put an olive in there right. for you. There we go. Nothing like a moonshine with an olive. All right, Josh. So we are here, and we have got your final. Um, final book to review, and this is a cracker. As I mentioned, absolutely excited for this. Warren Ellis's volume, I think it's seven, uh, issue five of Moon Knight. And uh, and Josh, please tell us before we crack into it, um, why did you pick this one? Oh, it's what's not to like about it. It's, the action is awesome. Just the. I, I gave it. I gave it. Figure out the words to describe it. It's just <laughs> when I read it the first time, I'm like, this is just. It's. It is one of my favorite books of all time. It, it's just, it is absolutely. I I share your sentiments exactly, and um, it's very different in sharp contrast to your other books. Um, you know, looking at the spectacular Spider-Man, uh, and the Invisible Iron Man, uh, not dialogue driven. Right, it's very visual driven. Um, and it, right. it's a good example to show that, uh, you know, to convey a good story, you don't necessarily have to do it in written form. You can actually experience it with the visuals in front of you. So we, we very much get that with, with this. Um, nothing to take away from Warren Ellis. He is a master at what he does. Uh, but Declan Shelby really does shine with this. So, uh, yeah, how about, uh, I think I think as you mentioned before, Josh, uh, why don't we go through this panel by panel, like page by page? Sure. Cool. So, um, look, I'll, I'll grab the first one. Uh, so, Moon Knight, uh, issue five, and it's called Scarlet. Uh, and the first page, we get what looks to be like a very, I don't know, generic tenement. Um, and there's someone just standing outside the front, uh, deserted street. Uh, that takes up about half of the page. As we get to the lower half, there are three full-width panels and a limousine, which could very well be ours, Josh, pulls, pulls up. Uh, and I think I see my reflection in the mirror there. Yeah, I'm right there. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of moonshine there. I said the moonshine. <laughs> um, yeah, and this limousine pulls up to this um, hooded or bald fellow with a, with a hood and jacket. Um, and... It's Mr. Knight, and what he does first and foremost is that he takes out a huge, I don't know, what do you call it, a scabbard or a, or a sword? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I would say it's sort of like a scimitar, but it's not scimitar. curved the entire way. Yeah, it's, a, it's an, an Egyptian scimitar, and he threatens this gentleman with it. Um, 
yeah, he uh, he basically has a veiled threat to him in this. Um, so, very first cool introduction to Mr. Knight. All right, and then uh, so then yeah, so the next page he's still he's still there, and he has yeah he has the knife basically up to the guy's throat, and he basically each panel he gets kind of closer to the the guy's throat, mm-hmm. and uh, so then Moon Knight he is he basically. He knows everything that, that that's happened with them. They basically they uh, they kidnapped they kidnapped someone on their way home from a school event, mm. and then uh, then he basically gets all the information he needs, and it's also all the information we kind of need to know what's going on. Mm. And uh, so they find out that there's a dozen or dozen or more uh, guys in this building, yes. and that the uh, the abductee is on the fifth floor. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I, I do like this whole page where it just shows now, just kind of how tactical Mark is. Yes. Like he knows that, like, oh, the, and then like the next panel is like of a six-four building. I've assumed everyone's everyone's pretty spread out. Yeah. And uh, like, and so yes, he know he knows all the information he has. And then the the bottom panel is just a close-up on his sort of like his scowling face. I love the shadow. Yeah. The shadow on his face. Very iconic. And then he's just... Yeah, very iconic. And then, yeah, might as well just go through the front door. Very, very good pickup here, uh, Josh, as well. Uh, Yeah, as you say, very tactical. Mark is a a very smart uh, fighter, I guess, a superhero. The One of the things that I loved was you get straight away, you took someone who was traveling at night. So he's still working off that, you know, I, I protect those that travel at night. Um, so you know this guy isn't totally all there, you know. Well, the guy's got a friggin' huge sword and his and his mask <laughs> and the thing, you know. Um, and beautifully drawn here by Declan Shelby uh, as a close up to the guy's jugular and his and his veins. And as you say, the one at the bottom there um, with his face, you can al- almost see his face through the mask, uh, right. but it gives a very um, sinister kind of look to his face and. Those words might as well go through the front door. What that encapsulates is that, okay, he summed up the situation, but also, how badass is this guy? He's just going to go through the front door, you know? <laughs> awesome stuff. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. So then as we turn the page, then we get absolute silence, and it's, and it's kind of like the uh, credits to a movie, as you see. You know, the, the credits start happening. So Marvel Entertainment presents... You get a shot of uh, high up of New York City, so you get the whirly birds, you get the antenna, uh, and you get you know access to the rooftops. Go down to the next panel, and you just get um, a shot of, Mar- of Mr. Knight's uh, fist with in the glove, holding a truncheon, um, just black and white, just stark black and white, with a bit of light towards the end of the truncheon. The third panel, you get the title Moon Knight, just like the movie. And the fourth panel actually starts to reveal a bit of the story, a bit of what was discussed before, and you get what seems to be a schoolgirl who's bound and blindfolded in a rundown bed uh, in, in an apartment, you'd assume, in the building, and the title of Scarlet in there. Yeah, and then the next the next panel is just, it's just a one-shot page, and you just see Moon Knight, he just walked into the lobby of this building, and basically he was correct in everything he said. There's yeah. six floors... And everyone is spread out. Yeah, and I like he just walks in like he owns the place, and he's going to own all these assholes. I just think the and it's yeah, <laughs> I think it's just absolutely brilliant. 
the, the angle that Declan Shelby um, um, creates the perspective on, the shot of just the back of, of Mr. Knight, and then the detail and the shot of the background, which is basically the foreground of the building tenement, is, is just brilliant. This was a, a, a wallpaper on my phone for such a long time, Josh. This was a oh, that's a good one. That's a good one to have. Awesome! It was great. Is uh, yeah, absolutely love it. And uh, apologise, there's not much for you to talk about here, Josh, because it's just oh, one right. one big splash page. Um, but it really does set the scene, and it gives me the vibe of Judge Dredd straight away with Carl Urban. You know, in that sense, you know, you just have to associate it right. with something. But this fact that he's got this challenge ahead of him, he's got these six levels or the five levels ahead of him. And he's ready to start, which is which is absolutely brilliant. And anyway, um, incidentally, loonies, there is a um, a YouTube uh, program called Strip Panel Naked, and they do a panel by panel analyses of this. It is fantastic. Oh, I was just yeah, have you yeah? I was just looking that up. I was I was gonna I watched that a little while ago. It is, and I was gonna bring that oh up. Oh my god, <laughs> it, how fantastic is it? And it oh my god, yeah. It just shows you how much detail and thought goes into Declan Shelby's um, layouts. And anyway, we can't do it justice, so I'll put it in the show notes as well. But um, as we start off this adventure, Moon Knight starts walking towards the base of the stairs. And there's a man that comes up to him um, who gives him a bit of a smart-ass comment about, you know, didn't you realise that, that we're closed? And then the fun begins. Um, Mr. Knight takes out a truncheon uh, and he whacks the guy. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the colours are very neutral, are very earthy, but you see the blood is, is with a splatter is quite um, oh, yeah. uh, predominant. And then as you go through the panels, you see the, the motion of... Uh, movements that he goes through so he whacks the guy he knees him straight into the guts and then with his arm up he brings it down with a truncheon and he whacks the guy down as well Uh, at the very bottom of the page we get Mr. Moon Knight again uh, approached by a secondary assailant who looks to be reaching into his coat yeah he's going to pull out a pull out a gun and then we see Moon Knight reach behind him and through throw one of his i guess they're the moon orangs i guess oh yeah uh yeah <laughs> and uh so you go through and it hits the guy right in the right in the hand mm. and he drops his gun and then i do and then uh moon knight responds to the guy because the guy in the previous page he says what are you supposed to be and he says the one you see coming yeah. which is which is the reason which i think like the first panel or the first issue of this run mm-hmm. like one of the cops is like why is he wear white? Mm. And Detective Flynn is like because he wants. The, oh no, no no not not the cops like that hacker chick or whatever. Yeah yeah. Computer blogger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's saying how uh, say oh he because he, he wants them to see coming. Yeah. And this proves exactly why. Yeah. He walks in this dark place wearing all white. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they see him coming. He still kicks their ass. <laughs> and just like this guy, he take he takes his truncheon and he just beats him right in the face with it. He does just one hit. And he, one hit and he's down. Beautiful rendition of the guy's face, the upside down, getting hit. You know, it's got all the, you know, <laughs> he, he's oh yeah, it's all he's all scrunched up, scrunched up. He's pursing the, his lips. Impact, you know, yeah. he's he's lulled back. Um, but as you say, also um, this harks back to, to Houston's run, even back in two thousand and six, when Houston was the first to coin um, "I wear white because I want to see them coming." Uh, I want them to see me coming as well. So Warren Ellis has done very well here to tie in it 
tied in with volume five. So. And then, uh, then he just continues up, up to the, <laughs> up the flight of stairs. And I look out like he, uh, like he, he was wearing all like pure white and now he's got a little bit of red on his, tr- on his, uh, truncheon now. He does. He does. And the, um, yeah. the, the gore is beginning and he's unrelenting. He's chasing this other guy. <laughs> and as we go again, we, we then again see the viciousness of him. Um, beautifully, uh, another shot of Declan Shelby's art from behind of Moon Knight. You can see actually his uh, crescent darts stashed away at the back of his, uh, under his coat. And he whacks. Oh, right. Yeah. And he, he whacks the truncheon against the guy's ankle, breaks his ankle, it seems. It, it's just totally off on a right angle. Uh, so the violence of it is quite... Um, and then you see it in the following panel with the ankle twisted. Uh, Mr. Knight has grabbed him and flings him back, almost like a... I don't know what you call it, like a wrestler, I guess. And the guy yeah. ends up his back onto the uh, the balustrade of the of the staircase and he cracks yeah. his back, which is... God, even as, as you say that, Josh, as well, I think anyone who looks at this will be saying the same thing. It's just very <laughs> awkward position for a human being to be in. So he's dispatched right. that guy... Um, the the bottom panels of it shows just the, the remnants of the guy falling off the, the handrail as the legs of Mr. Knight goes up and up the stairs. And then what we get before we go into the next page is that someone shoots at Mr. Knight, successfully deflected by the truncheon, uh, and the assailant, um, unhappy that he hasn't, hasn't done what he's meant to do, and just says, oh, crap. Yeah, which... It looks, he, it looks like he's holding an automatic weapon. He could have just kept shooting. Yeah, he shot once. Well, that's true. <laughs> and he could just kept shooting. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that would have been a, a less cool comment. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so then the next panel, so like that shot, basically, it, it cracked his truncheon. So what he does, Moon Knight does is he takes it and he basically breaks it. And then, uh, like the force of him, like, not throwing it with that, like, motion with his arm yeah. it flies out and the broken end goes and hits the guy right in the face oh which by the look of that face yep. like i don't it, it was thinking about, that thing must be going like 100 miles an hour or something yeah because uh, his that guy, that dude's face is like smushed in <laughs> i i think the guy's nose is well and truly broken then uh again we get a very very graphic representation of what mr knight is doing uh pinpoint accuracy as well no oh, yeah definitely yeah and he's like, he's like, oh, these things cost money. It's not like I have a job, <laughs> which, which I mean, I guess is true because I guess at this point he did just come back from I guess what the previous run he was in L.A. I guess yeah, that's right. So I guess he's just coming back and just doing whatever. So that's yeah, a that's a funny little uh, quirky <laughs> moment there. Yeah, and then uh, so then he's moving up to the second floor, and then you just see him flick one of those. Oh, one of those uh, moonerang things, mm-hmm. and it goes and hits a guy oh, <laughs> right through the chin into the mouth. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but you know he, but you know what he kind of deserves it because those are some horrible tattoos he has. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does. He's got a he's got a yo yo yo. What? Yeah. Yeah, you deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like a net, a spider web or something on the side of his head, which is um maybe he's a big maybe he's a big Spider Man fan. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but, but a terrible place to get hit with a with a moon oh ray, and I love the little moon knight face at the bottom as well. It's just uh, oh yeah, it's just very simple. But you see that he's still coming, you know. 
Yeah. He's, he's smart. You know what? Yeah. You know what else I kind of... I like how it's kind of ingrained in the panel, or like the border of the panel. Yes. So like, yeah. it sort of kind of looks like a like a, a gravestone. Yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like that. That's kind of cool, actually. It's not often that you see that, um, but he's definitely just embedded with the panel uh, border. So... Uh, yeah, so we see the guy kind of coughing and spluttering uh, as he's been hit with that with that boom um, moonerang, <laughs> and he's obviously swearing. But thankfully, because he can't speak properly, uh, we don't need to censor it. So he says, "Wah ha ha!" <laughs> uh, Mister Knight comes up, and without even batting an eyelid, he just kicks the guy through the handrail and down below. And uh, as Mr. Knight calls third floor, he is charging up, you know, it's not taking him too long. Um, so as a guy obviously meets his death down at the bottom, Mr. Knight goes up beautifully again. I love his stark white outfit. And he comes across, obviously, this is like a video game. They're getting harder and harder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a bigger dude here with uh, more tattoos. Uh, said, I was trying to take a nap. And uh, he looks uh, like he means business. He looks pretty big, uh, and so Mr. Knight tries to punch him. He does, doesn't do much, and the guy the guy grabs Mr. Knight's head in one hand and lifts the guy lifts Mr. Knight off the floor with that. And uh, so at so in the like in that last panel on that page, you see him reaching into his pocket, mm-hmm. and then at the start of this one, he pulls out two of the more of those moon rings. He must have a lot of them. In oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> and. And uh, he goes, he takes it, and he just it looks like he impales the guy on his nipples. <laughs> the one, the left one, he definitely does. Yeah. And uh, the guy, he definitely, uh, he's definitely in pain about it. Yeah. And uh, Moon Knight takes off his coat, and he wraps it around the guy's head, and leads him towards the end of the, uh, the towards the railing, and throws him over the side also. Yeah. And. Uh, which he he deserves it too. Like yeah. you can look all cool with those tattoos, but come on, pink boots and a pink belt—you <laughs> you've lost a little credibility. You, you're asking for tr- <laughs> you're ask, asking for trouble there, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I I do like the there's a lot of detail on that and like that like shattering like yeah. feeling too when they throw them down like that's like the, the detail on that is just crazy yeah what what Shelby does is with that and with previous other ones even when he smashes the truncheon is that you get a sense of movement because you get all these little shrapnel pieces coming out you know it gives a really dynamic it's almost as if like you see it in slow motion if you're watching a film and it gives that really yeah it's, it's, yeah. It's it's like it's like all like it's like each page is happening over the course of like five seconds. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's that's really awesome. Like so, literally, like this whole issue is like in, in like two and a half minutes, and we're just seeing it in like ten second increments. Yeah, which is which is insane. Yeah, absolutely. And how different is this Mister Knight, Josh, to the Mister Knight in Damnation? Can I just say? Uh, well, I, to be honest, I haven't read. Damnation, oh, okay. But I, yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I've heard about it, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of the uh, like the memes on that Moon Knight core mm-hmm. page. Yeah, yeah. And they, they were memeing the hell out of it, and I, yeah, and I, uh, I, 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 I know what he's like in that. Yeah, um, definitely ten steps backwards compared to this. Absolutely, this, this is to me, this is Mister Knight. What we're, what we're looking at now. This is the sort of fella he is, not the, um. Uh, you know, quippy, smart ass, 
commenter on on Damnation. Um, but yeah, he is absolutely a killing machine here. Um, so as he goes up to the fourth floor, he is accosted by <laughs> is accosted by three guys. He kind of waltzing up, and I love it now because he's changed. He's he's taken his coat off. He used that already. He used it a very practical effect. Now he's just rolling yeah. rolling up the sleeves. He's just got the vest. He still has the tie, you know, <laughs> but he's he's now a bit more freer. You know, he can do his thing. And um, the three guys turn up to him. He kicks the first guy square in the gut. <laughs> that causes a guy to throw up, which is, oh yeah. And uh, as the guy falls away, a second guy kind of heads towards him. Easy work for him. And at the same time, whilst kind of incapacitating that guy, he deals with the third gentleman. And what looks to be a kick towards the chest or the neck for the guy and that doesn't spell good news for both of them yeah it's like I said this, this is basically like this whole page is within like two seconds it is yeah other. literally it's just great oh my god yeah it's like it's 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 literally like you're watching it like yeah. as in like a movie or a TV show it's awesome like, like, I do want to know yeah I was about to say I'd love to I'd love to for them to remake this into a series, but as you say, or an episode, but exactly as you say, it won't last long. You know what I mean? They're gonna have to draw it out. But this would be absolutely awesome to see. Like if they do this as an episode, I would just you know, uh, that would. You know what be... I was, what I was thinking is so you remember when before Deadpool came out, how they had like that test footage that they made, yeah, yeah. they like to pitch to Fox. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is what they sh- this is what they should do for Moon Knight. Oh man, that would be just do this. Yeah. yeah. Just do this, yep, yep. <laughs> and they will. Fox will throw money at at you for this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I well, I think well, Marvel should do this. Well, I think, no, no, yeah, of course, be... yeah, for sure. Uh, the um, yeah, well, like Disney and Marvel MCU should do this for sure. Yeah, just just because I think I think this is like the next like one like more higher demanded things, but they're like so reluctant to do it. Mm. Someone they should just take just. Just take a, a, a couple grand and just remake this, and they will. I think it, I think it would catch on. I'd be even happy for a fan film, like get a, a good or that. Yeah, yeah. That would be so good. Cause like this is there's not much to it, right? You know, I'm not a film student, so I don't know. But like, it, there's not any CGI or anything for that. This is going to be, you know, if you get the right location, this would be awesome. It's- it's sort of like the. Did you have you seen the the Punisher Dirty Laundry? Like, yes. Fan oh film? god, that's good. Yeah. It's sort of. It, yeah, it's. They could just do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's what they should do. Yeah, that was good actually. I do like Dirty Dirty Laundry. Yeah. Uh, right. Yes. So we're uh, next. All right. Let's get back. All right. So after he takes out those three guys, he turns this another guy coming down the stairs, mm-hmm. and uh, he. Turns, he just quickly just throws another one of those boomerangs <laughs> and hits the guy just right, right in the foot. Yeah, <laughs> he pins his foot to the pins his foot to the stair, and the guy just falls, just face first. Jeez, Louise, th- this guy, yeah. this guy would have snapped an ankle as well. The way that you fall off that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh. So again, as a reader, you can actually, oh, you can imagine what happens here, and nothing works with how the body is meant to work. You know, so. It, it's quite gruesome in that sense, um, and this guy's fully equipped as well. He's got like body armor, and he's got the the boots, and yeah, 
Yeah, but he went he went face first, and you could see there's a puddle of blood yeah. on the floor when he's laying down. Next to, he's definitely yeah. Next to the guy that's vomited, you can see. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know how he how he didn't get any any vomit on his suit at all. When you look just looking back at that panel real quick, <laughs> yeah. like that's already in midair as he's kicking. It. Like oh man, he definitely has some on his at his pants, and we're just not seeing. Mister Mister Knight is quick, Josh. Mister Knight is super quick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's, it's, so then he proceeds to, yep, he proceeds to move on to the fifth floor. Then, so he's, and then he looked, and then he, yeah, he's up to the fifth floor now. He's getting closer to the big boss, and we get a, a stylish gentleman here. He's got gold daggers, and there's actually the first bit of a bit of color. You know, we get a bit of purple here. So yeah, I guess what that does is that tells us that this guy is important in some reason you know for some reason so we're starting to get into the the business end of the stick here is that, is that the saying the 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 uh the business end of the the deal not the stick yeah so anyway so this guy is looking pretty cool uh he's got a pretty funky haircut uh mr knight throws another dart at him uh, and he's proficient he smashes that into two and again, another iconic panel. Mister Knight says, "Nice," you know, just just oh, yes. just kind of contemplating. He, and he's just say he's very tactical, so he's thinking, "Okay, this guy's not your usual guy, so he's going to have to approach him differently." And so he lunges at the the gentleman, um, and they go through some hand to hand. Although he's got a, a couple of knives, and he manages to cleave Mister um, Knight's tie off, which is again surprising. Yeah, it's funny. He's just losing garments as he goes yeah, on yeah, throughout exactly. this entire fight. I wonder if he goes back and picks them up or if he just makes new ones. <laughs> if he's got OCD, he probably does. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. So uh, then uh, then he grabs that guy's wrist and uh, I'm assuming he breaks it. Yeah. And then he takes the other. He, ca- he counters because the, the other guy goes to stab him and he counters him and he takes that guy's hand with a knife and he stabs him in the knee or the leg, I guess. And just shucks him through a door. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget, Mr. let's not forget, Mister Knight is a heavyweight, heavyweight boxer. So he's a big fella. Oh. Okay. So he he can throw a guy, I guess, through a door. He should be able to throw a guy. And, yeah. 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 And great, again, great motion, like showing like the motion of it, like him breaking through the door. Mm. Yep. Is real good, real good art there again. And then, then 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 the next guy that's in this room, he's not even paying attention. <laughs> He's just drinking a beer. Yeah, he deserves it. Oh, he deserves it. Yeah. yeah. And he gets up, and this is, oh. <laughs> this is, and then uh, Moon Knight, he's, or Mr. Knight, he goes, he slides, and he just kicks the guy's kneecap. Oh, him. God, yeah. Which, what, just, just, just a quick note, which I think the Flash should do to every single villain. Because <laughs> he would win no matter what. No matter how superpowered they need to kick their kneecap in, they're not, they're not going to they're not gonna be a problem anymore. Who do you reckon? Well, with but, the, the Flash um, in his super speed, just to quickly just kneecap everyone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what they, that's what they should do. Yeah. But anyways, but this, but you know, yeah. But you just see this guy's kneecap just so, just cave in. And, yeah, he's gone. He's a goner. Look, no matter no matter how big he is, and he's he looks like a big fella. Uh, yeah. There's not much you can do when you can't walk, right? You know, especially you know in in a fight. Um. So yeah, Mister Knight moves past that guy. God, this just gets even better and better. And this guy, <laughs> this guy comes at, at him with a baseball bat. Again, slightly coloured. You get the blue and a, a, a red. Uh, he doesn't look like he's a big boss. Um, Mister Knight 
equipped, you know, good, I need one of those, which is friggin' ultra cool, you know? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and uh, so he's already thinking about grabbing the bat with, without even thinking about, okay, should I beat this guy or not? And he um, does one of those um, punches where you, you, you kind of, you, you stiffen your fingers and he just slams it into the guy's throat and the guy is kind of choked and uh, then the next thing we see is that he goes through an old an old wall uh, I'd imagine decayed and he goes crashing through but Mr. Knight now has a baseball bat and uh, if I can just read uh, some of the you know again very little dialogue come out come out wherever you are and don't go downstairs it's not safe so he's really relishing this power that he has and uh he's really a, a frightening figure and um a, a gentleman comes out with an uzi it looks like and says not safe um it doesn't see mr knight behind the door and again absolutely brutal jack declan shelby's art you don't even you see his face kind of mixed in with blood and uh some broken shards of the the door so it almost looks like you know his head is just smashed but, um, you know, with the baseball bat, you're going to sustain a pretty vicious injury, um, you know. So this is what brilliantly told there by Declan Shelby. Yeah, he really hit a home run on his face. <laughs> like, Jesus. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, and now, and, now that, and now that bat is just splattered with blood now. Yeah. Now it looks more intimidating. I do, I do like when he first gets it, when he sees him come up with the bat, and he's just like, good, I need one of those. Yeah. It's sort of like it's sort of like when like you're playing a video game and like you, like a certain enemy that always drops health. You're like, oh, good, I need that. Yeah. And you just take him out real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's exactly what that's like. Uh, just so sure of himself, you know? I, I love it. Yeah, he's very, he's very, uh, yeah, he's very confident yeah, in himself. Yeah. And then, uh, so after he takes out that guy, there's another guy sees him across the way, and he runs. And I, I don't know if Moon, if he's pointing like where he should go, or oh no, he's just dragging to be intimidating. Again. Yeah, he's 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 dropping blood, on wiping the wall, the, wa- the blood on the wall. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he and so he follows the guy, and the guy's running up the stairs to the roof. But then I guess he sees the room, I guess, where he just came out. That guy just came out of. Mm-hmm. And he goes over to look. And then he sees the the the, the girl who was kidnapped. She's being uh, bound and held at gunpoint by uh, by this last goon. Yeah. And he's, he's like, pretty sure my gun has a better reach than your bat. Yeah. Can I just say that this is way, way better. I mean, and way, way better than the hallway fight scene of Netflix Daredevil, you know, when he's saving the little kid. Um, you know. Oh, right. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually think this one is more reminiscent, more reminiscent of the, the season two one where he's fighting the bikers. And yeah, true. When he's going up and down the stairs. Yeah, but... Just in reverse. Yeah, he's, he's going, going down. downstairs. Yeah, instead of upstairs. Yeah, true, true. Um, but I still think this is far superior um, to what we've seen on the Netflix shows. Uh, just it just shows off how I don't know how um, scary Moon Knight can be, you know. Um, so as you say, so he he is at the top um, floor, and he sees a guy, um, <laughs> and he says, "But I love this bat, and you owe me a truncheon, and you can't kill me again." The confidence, right? He knows he's got Concho on his side. He knows he's not going to be killed, and he he backs his his uh, abilities. 
And anyway, he's starting to psych out this guy who's got the gun. Um, yeah, but he says, you could kill her, it's true, but what saved your life after she's dead? Uh, so he basically convinces the guy to hand over his gun, uh, which is another fascinating side to Moon Knight. Uh, he can, he's, he's got the gift of the gab as well, you know. He's got this intimidation, right. and his reputation far precedes, well, precedes him in, in, in the way. It's well-founded. And so the guy hands over the gun because he just makes so much sense, you know. He's, good, he's a dead man if, if he kills a girl anyway. So he hands a gun over, and Mr. Knight just whacks him one, and he is <laughs> he's out. And again, splatter. I love that art. You know, just the blood. Yeah. yeah splattered across. All right. And then Moon Knight, then he, he, uh, he, uh, frees the, uh, the little girl, and he introduces himself. And, uh, he, like, he, he even says, oh, yeah, I know I'm pretty weird. Mm. I look pretty weird. Because I guess I guess you would be kind of weird out if you're saved by a guy who is just yeah who looks like how he does just covered in all white yeah and a little bit of red now I guess too <laughs> uh, and uh, so I guess she touches not I'm not sure is is she blind or is she no is she saying is your face okay or is, it's just like that metaphor I guess I think I, like, I think she's just young and yeah and and and, she, and it's the, the metaphor as well yeah yeah. Yeah. So she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, it's your, your mask or your face, and he's like, it's a mask. Yeah. And then she's like, it's not a mask, it's your face. I guess meaning that like, like, uh, like, Mister Knight is, is Mark's yeah face. Yeah. Like, it's 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 yeah. really weird. Like, if you think about it too much, yeah, it is a bit weird. Like, what the girl is saying, but the impact you know that it has is really awesome. It's yeah. very cool. What 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 Anolis is doing. Like, you know, the innocence of this child saying, no, no, this is your face, right? And he's going, yeah, yeah, bloody earth it is. Yeah, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he, he um, Moon Knight obviously uh, saves, saves the day um, and he's leaving a message for Detective Flint, one of the favourite characters. Uh, and... As he's heading up to the top of the roof, uh, there's another gentleman that comes out and chases him, um, but he's nowhere to be seen. And then all we see is the moon jet, I guess, not a copter, uh, just uh, moon glider. Moon glider. What it is. Okay, yeah, the moon glider yeah. just crashing down, and again, there's more blood <laughs> oh, splattered. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that guy's he's toast. Yeah. Oh man, he is bent every single which way. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, it's and then I Moon Knight strolls up to him. I do like how like the 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 boot is in the background. It's the exact mm. same shape as like the logo that he has on his head. Yep. Yeah. And he says to this guy, which I be honest, I think this guy's pretty much dead, so I don't know why he's saying this, but it's too, but oh, it's just awesome. Because he's crazy. I'll, I'll just read. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just read a word for mm-hmm. word. So listen, where you're going, tell your friends, tell everyone you meet, you tell them all. When you see me coming, run. Boom, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, this would have to be the best, absolutely, and hasn't been. Um, it's unrivaled. The depiction of Mr. Knight, at least Mr. Knight, not Moon Knight, 
in a whole. Arguably, it could be the best depiction of Moon Knight and his bad assery. Um, but Mr. Knight, definitely, I think this is the best portrayal of him, bar none. Just yeah. with how dangerous he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, um, oh, a- a- any other things to take away from here, Josh? Other th- oh, I think we really covered everything. Yeah, other than um, Looney's, again, I will put on the show notes, um, if you look at Strip Panel Naked, really, really insightful um, panel-by-panel panel review of um, the host going through Declan Shelby's layouts. And there is so much more thought into, I guess, what leads the eye and then um, what is in the foreground. You know, what, how, how Shelby manipulates how you, how you view the page. And it's really a, a work of art in itself. So um, absolutely brilliant. Um, what would you give this one, Josh? Oh, this is a this is a five out of five, yeah. no doubt. Oh, yeah, look, um, I'm not going to be marking, but I'm going to step in here and <laughs> I'm just going to mark it as well. Five out of five, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Loonies, if you want to, this is a good intro to Moon Knight as well, I think, Josh. For anyone that hasn't or, or doesn't know Mr. Knight or Moon Knight, I reckon they pick up this. And it's a good, um, it doesn't show everything, obviously. There's a lot more complexity to Moon Knight with his personalities and such, but... This would really get your uh, your juices flowing, I reckon, to um, to get into Moon Knight. Yeah, or even if you just wanted to just read something with just crazy action, yep. th- this is what it is. And you can, re- and it's a quick read too. You can really, if you just want to read through it, you can read through it in five minutes because there's not much dialogue. Just absolutely, you can just read through and you can just look through. And it's, again, it's like wa- it's like watching just like a, a five minute yep. fight scene. That's basically what it exactly. is. Exactly, and then you can put it down and come back and reread it again it's uh it's really fun uh Declan Shelby's art is is absolutely a highlight of this uh, as well as we have to we have to say for Warren Ellis as well there's not much dialogue but obviously the collaboration with Shelby to come up with the story um is is very um is very successful from both of them so so there we go uh Looney's Five out of five for that one. The last one. Um, so we have the four books there from Josh, one of our fellow loonies. The first one, Invincible Iron Man, number 200, followed by Spectacular Spider-Man 200, both honourable mentions. And the big two from Josh, we have The Nam issue 15, and, of course, uh, Moon Knight by Warren Ellis, number five, Scarlet. So uh, that has been absolutely brilliant, Josh. Um yeah, that's that's been great. As we've been driving around the limo, driving around the the blocks of New York, um, absolutely brilliant. Can I just say a big thank you, Josh, for for coming onto the show? Uh, it's been an absolute honour to have another loony on there um, on our show, and uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's cool that you let that you're letting to your listeners jump on. Like I told you, when I messaged you first. I was like, I've been wanting to yeah. try to get into podcasting. I think this is a good a good start yeah and yeah it was, it's been fun I, I don't really have many people to talk comics and this has been really awesome yeah I mean it's, it's so funny how you can fill almost three hours of talk you know um, just because holy I know just because like we just love talking about the stuff that we love to, to read and it, it's absolutely brilliant um, can you divulge in any way um, so you're talking about maybe starting up a podcast any thoughts on what it might be on um I thought it would be. Fun. I mean, 
much like how I am with everything, I'll probably think about it, maybe start something with it, and then I'll probably not go along with it. Much like my <laughs> writing I was talking about before. <laughs> but I thought it would be cool to have, like, a... To do, like, a... Um, like a... Sort of like a... Like a comic book one, but, like, give, like... It goes, like, a history of, like, certain characters to, like, yeah. somebody who isn't... Who isn't... Uh, necessarily knowledge in it. Like, yeah. my... By one of my first thought of it would be cool because like because my my fiance is not really into comics at all mm-hmm. but i thought it would be funny to like go through like because like we we both really like uh arrow okay yeah the tvcw show which is awesome yeah but she doesn't read comics or know anything about that thought it'd be cool to like go through and talk and, and for and for anybody who doesn't know yeah. like the history of certain characters i think would be cool yeah to to learn so just go through like how like how are they like who they were created by when they were created yeah certain aspects of their run yeah so i think that would be cool at least at least some of like the older stuff from like the golden maybe silver age that like people wouldn't know too much about so i think i thought that would be cool but we'll see i I think that would be very useful as well um yeah exactly to to expose more people to uh to different characters that may not necessarily may not necessarily like you're talking about arrow but may not necessarily have another uh, medium like tv or, or film to get um to get exposed uh, it would be great to um to, you know to spotlight a lot more characters as well like we we try to do that a lot with with uh, on our show with spotlights of like villains and stuff to just give a bit more information but there's so much there's a wealth of no, um of information of characters i guess in any universe dc marvel or whatever right. it's, it's great to talk about and josh you, you're always more than welcome to come back on uh into the night as well if you want to have a chat about um any of the issues that we're covering or or um or anything uh by all means and we we totally welcome it uh my fellow high priest uh connor shoe uh, he's loving this idea of inviting loonies on, and he's um, he's interviewing a few loonies himself at the moment, uh, and it's just great. It's great to like you know, for instance, the Nam. I'm pretty keen to have a look into the Nam now. You know, uh, I just cool. I love sharing like these things, and and to actually to hear it from the people themselves that love it. Uh, yeah, it just it's just fantastic. So uh, I cannot thank you enough uh, for sharing what you really do value uh it's really good and for loonies out there please check it out if you are excited about any of the issues mentioned tonight uh okay josh well we're still in the limo here i um how about uh how about we um we take you home then on on uh on this limo i think we have samuels uh samuels in front of us uh in the hang on let me just wind down there Samuels, hi. Yes, yes. It's Josh and myself. Yeah, we're back from Vietnam. Yeah. If you can please take Josh back to Pennsylvania, that would be really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Josh. Um, thank you again. Thanks, champ. Once again, you have been brilliant. Um, and, yep, um, all the best with the podcasting. You are a natural. It's awesome. So, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad it did all right. I was, I was kind of nervous because oh. I've... I know I, I know I get tangled up in my words sometimes. I do I do a lot of ums and ahs, but uh, not, I think not. I think I did all right. Not at all. Not at all. You've been an absolute. Uh, it's been <laughs> enjoyable to chat with, and like I said, like you just got to look at the time to see how how easy it was to chat. So, uh, clocking up three hours, it's brilliant. 
Uh, thanks once again, Josh. Uh, again, loonies, uh, if you want to drop us a line, we are on email at um, itkmoonight at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash itkmoonight, or we have our fantastic Into the Night Facebook group, which is facebook, uh, facebook.com slash group slash itkmoonight, which is uh, where Josh, you'll, you'll be able to find Josh there. Um, we also are on Twitter at ITK Moonlight, as well as Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr. Just check out Into the Night, a Moonlight podcast. Josh, can I ask you one final time, maybe to give a plug to your local comic book store? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Golden Eagle Comics in mm-hmm. uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay, excellent. Golden Eagle Comics, and again, I'll just grab uh, the link from Josh, uh, and I'll add that in the show notes as well. What was the other one in Pittsburgh that you said? Oh, um, uh, New Dimension Comics. Okay, New Dimension Comics. Actually, they, sorry. Yeah, they actually have a couple stores. Actually, I guess they're sort of like like a mini chain. I guess. Okay. They have a couple stores out there. Even better. So, Loonies, if you are, uh, are near any of these chains, um, New Dimensions, uh, check it out. And again, I will put a uh, a link in the show notes. All right, Loonies. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you once again, Josh. It's been fantastic. Samuel's is here to take us home. And as always, oh, Josh, can I throw to you to um, to sign us off? Uh, may Kanchu watch over you in the denizens of the night. <laughs> Thank you very much, Josh. Is that right? Yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> All right, I'll catch you later. See ya. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.